Hello and welcome to episode 73 of NPS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. My name's Davey and joined with me, as always, is the fine wine himself, Philip Hoy. Ah, boom, 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 and let me hear you say wayo. Wayo. And <laughs> he's ill at the moment, so he's a little, he's a little sickly little creature, Spencer Davis. Hello, boys. Yeah, not, not, not in peak condition, but... We don't miss. We don't skip the episode. I mean, I do quite a lot usually. But I'm here today and we're going to power through. Let's get it, boys. Is it a problem, Spence, that I prefer your voice when you're ill? You actually sound like a real man rather than being, you know, what you are. <laughs> what are you? Uh. It was fine until you said rather than what I am. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think I prefer it as well. So, understandable. Total backhanded compliment there, wasn't Ridiculous. it? Ridiculous. <laughs> He gives with one hand and takes away with the other. <laughs> Enjoy it while you got it, Spence. That's all I'm going to say. I remember when I had a raspy voice, you know, many episodes ago, it got the viewers in. You know, it got everyone involved. It, it could be time maybe for a Barry White impression, maybe when we get to quick news. But we got a long way till then, listeners. We have got a stacked show and it is our job to guide you through the tumultuous world of PlayStation. We got a stack of news we got so many different things to go through today. we got two topics, the first of which is going to be uncovering why Square Enix have had such a huge drop in their uh, stock price. And secondly, we're going to be discussing Ryan McCaffrey's tweet, which has split the internet up and set it ablaze, talking all about how PSVR 2 was a waste of his money. So those are our main topics, but before that, We've got the normal run of the show in terms of what we've been playing and then move it on to the quick news where we each bring three different pieces of news to the table to entertain and educate you guys. Now, before we do any of that stuff, we kick a show off with a question. The question today is coming from me. Now, guys, you may be thinking, why aren't we going to Spence? What's going on? Well, he's just not well. It's about time we just let him just have a little rest for a moment, rest that voice. Keep that sexy larynx just there, and we'll only use it when we need it, I reckon. So. (laughs) Little and often. Yeah, little and often. Just how we like him. So, the question for today, guys. What is a video game that should never be made? Now, Phil, as we're resting Spencer's voice, lay it on me. Hmm. Well, Davey, I've been pondering this question ever since I saw it appear in the dock literally five minutes before we pressed record on this episode. So you haven't really given me that much time to sort of put this game together. But the games that have sort of been floating around my little noggin have been riffs on the Guitar Hero games. So I was thinking going down the route of maybe Flute Master. You could have a flute and you could almost blow through the flute. You could connect that to your PlayStation. Sure, that would be a bit of fun. Or maybe even go down the, the triangle route. You could call it Triangle Bashers. Now that would be a cool sort of mini game to play, but I don't think it has a lot of longevity. And I think even one that's even more surface level is if you just had a gong and you called it Gong Boys and you just had to bash along <laughs> a gong to 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 the sounds um but setting that one aside i've kind of come out with another idea and um when i first thought of this one i thought this is a banging idea this is a great idea and then the more i started to break it down i thought nah this would just never work so stick with me on this one okay so i'm going for the night out simulator okay so i've broken down a night out into 
I think six, no, five parts, and each one I'm taking unique flavors from different games. A bit like Atomic Heart in the sense it just borrowed things from other games okay. and just kind of mashed them together. I'm doing the same. That one didn't have much success, and I don't think my one will either, okay? So we're going to start off on my night out simulator with choosing your clothing, okay? And there's been a lot of talk on Twitter these days about Boulder's Gate, hasn't there? About the character generation tools there where you can switch off their clothing. Now, I would definitely want that included in my night out simulator so you can see what you look like from the skin up. You could put on your Kelvin Kleins, you could put on your Stone Island jumper, and you could get out out with the boys. The next one down is the pre-drinks, okay? So this one's a bit more of a motion simulator. You've got your old PlayStation moves, and this is about knocking back a couple of drinks as fast as you can, okay? So that's number two. Okay. Third is your pool Sorry, it's your pub activities. Now I'm talking pool. I'm talking darts. I'm maybe even talking a little bit of bowling. So think we sports, but in a pub, okay? And by that time, you've had a couple of pre-drinks. So the screen's starting to get a little wavy on you. <laughs> right, now we're at number five. We're going to the club and we're talking dance, dance revolution. I want to see your best moves in the club. So you're dancing around to impress those girls. And that's your end task. It's the 6 a.m. girls when the game closes, okay? And we're talking, we're taking it back to the 80s, okay? So this was a little game that I found on the PC. It's called Get That Girl, okay? And you want to Google this game. It's a PC simulator of chatting up a girl. And the better you do with chatting up the girl, the more of the girl you get to see. And I was playing that... At underage. I was playing that underage. And that was probably my first glimpse of a girl in a bikini when I was a young nipper. And I think that's what we need to introduce the generation of today into with my night out simulator. Now, I feel like great ideas individually, but mash them all together, a la Atomic Heart. And I think I've got a mess here, haven't I, boys? i got to say, with you pitching this, I'm in on this. I think I was in two of your ideas so far. I think you've accidentally sold me on. The first, you were saying about Flute Master, right? Take it down a step below that, Recorder Master. My son is now going into, like, year one of school. Recorders will be my new hell for the rest of, like, for, for years now. I'm going to have to, this random recorder knocking about <laughs> where he's playing, like, Bar Bar Black Sheep or whatever, and I've got a beer with that. If I can have a game teach him that, oh, my God, suddenly, maybe he can wear headphones. I don't have to hear the recorder. This is like a dream come true, this this game. Well, you really want to start off at level one, don't you, with the penny whistle? Before you step up to the recorder, mate. And then it's onto the flute. And then possibly, what do you have after a flute? Maybe an oboe? I don't know. Ocarina. Ocarina Master. Yeah. So I know that's not the objective is for you to sell it. But when it comes to your main one, the night out simulator, right? I think... The, I, I love the premise. I love the premise. But I think what you're saying in terms of juggling all these different gaming things that it has to do, it's going to do them all half-assed at best, isn't it? And, you know, and especially where the screen is fucked. So it's like motion blurs on by like 500%. It's going to be pretty much unplayable. You know, like speaking to someone when you're trashed, when they're trashed and you're sober is like the worst. It's like another level of hell entirely. It's that in a video game form. So I, I think you might have nailed it on that one. 
that would be awful to play. Well, PlayStation are always trying to up their levels of immersion. And I'm just going one step further with this. You're talking about the screen blur, aren't you, with this? So this is just going to throw you off. The first one might be a bit of fun. Hoo, hoo, hoo. You get to see someone in their pants. But when you get down to that 6am girl and you're trying to read the text to chat up that girl, I think it'd be impossible. So I think most people probably will give this game a miss. How about you, Spence? Would you be playing the Night Out Simulator or one of my Guitar Hero riffs? I can't believe you boys glossed over Gong Boys. Gong Boys <laughs> such a fantastic name for a game. <laughs> I thought that sounds like a bit of me, 100%. But the Night Out Simulator, there's actually already a game quite similar on Steam called uh, House Party Simulator, where the entire game is just you get dressed, go to a house party, and just chat up bids. And that is it. I think it's got like a learning AI in there. So it's, each conversation is different. But it was actually quite big on um, Twitch and stuff a little while ago. But then this game you're proposing just has so much more. I think it sounds like a sick idea with the DDR, the Wii Motion Sports, the chuck it, PlayStation Move, chucking the points back. And I think if the screen's getting too blurry, you've got this Baldur's Gate option selecting you've taken. Just go have a tacky chunder. You can. You can recover in this game. You could go scrand some food, try and repair yourself. That's the DLC, Spence. That's when you go to the kebab shop. That's the that's the <laughs> DLC for this. And that'll let you recover at any time you want. Yeah, I think I'd buy that game. I think that game sounds great. <laughs> Honestly, easy. And then obviously the ultimate goal, the platinum trophy would be bag a bird that isn't a 6am bird. That would just be it. Mm. And that's what you're playing towards. And you've got to be wankered as well. You've got to be completely yeah. wankered and somehow pull it off and have the charm for it. I think there should also be a trophy in this game for when you don't pull and you're walking in with your mates and you just be like, there's too many men in there. Just not enough gamers there, lads. And you're just trying to make excuses. You know, the classic <laughs> excuse. That, that should definitely be in there. Trophy. Too many men. Yeah, really enjoy that idea. I, I think you've accidentally sold it to us. The game that shouldn't be made probably should be made. So well done for that. Um, Spence, what about yourself? What are you thinking? What comes to mind? Sure, right. Well, Phil, you've gone for the hypothetical. You've created a video game. I'm for saying games that shouldn't have been made, lads. One word. Exoprimal. I'll <laughs> dig on that Lord game till I die. Ah, uh, here we go. What is the point? Capcom, you've been on such a hot streak for years. And you thought, oh, boys, listen, out of meeting. Everyone in the meeting room. All right, how do we fuck it? And then someone pitched Exoprime and they went, yes. Yes. What else can we do? Launch Game Pass, day one. Oh, lovely. What else? What else? Oh, Battle Passes. Mmm. DLC. Mmm. Cosmetics. Mmm. Gameplay? Nah. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. Let's just... Uh, <laughs> you ever played Overwatch? Yeah, we'll just take that. We'll just take that. There we go. Uh, and uh, Dinosaurs. Yes. Yes, boys. Exoprime will just... It's not as fun a pitch as yours, Phil, but it's one that I truly believe it should never, never have been made. Ruined my day when they announced that. And I've thought about it ever since. So yeah, that's where I stand. Well, Spence, I've got something that might actually change your mind about Exoprimal. I know this isn't the quick news section of the show, but I'm going to bring you a little snippet of news because I've been doing quite a lot of reading this week on Twitter. Yeah, work's dead. Um, but they've been saying now that Exoprimal could get Dino Crisis content if there's enough demand. Now, is that just a carrot on the stick to get more people playing it? I don't know because I think there's a lot more Dino Crisis fans out there than Exoprimal fans. 
Hmm. Would Dino Crisis bring you into the game's fans? Would you try it if there was Dino Crisis in there? Not a chance. No. They could, they <laughs> Not even Dino Crisis. Nothing, mate. <laughs> they could say that they'll get Regina herself to come home and knock me off if I play Exoprimal, and I'll say nah. Well, I'd probably download, check out the download, but I'd try my best not to boot it. But <laughs> weak man, that's the way it goes. But I don't think they could add literally anything other than mechanics. Any sort of DLC, they could add Street Fighter, they could add Resident Evil, they could add Don't May Cry, which they should, and they probably will. They've already added a Ryu skin as a robot for some reason. And they showed it off when they announced that. They showed it as a Street Fighter 6 trailer. It opened the Street Fighter 6. And then just went into Exoprimal. I was furious. I was absolutely furious. But they could add literally everything. I would not. Unless they literally changed how the game works. I'm not getting into that. It, I'd piss myself off. I think if it did, uh, if they did actually have some Dino Crisis content in there, I find it a little bit insulting now at this point, you know? Like, we all thought originally it was going to be some kind of crossover with Dino Crisis and they've just steered clear of it. So now putting it in afterwards when no one's playing the fucking game and it's dead, it just seems like desperation tactics and it's too much for me. If they came out immediately and said, oh, this is a new Dino Crisis, wouldn't be what I want, but it wouldn't be a million miles off from what the series turned into, right? It, it turned into a pretty chaotic uh, mess, really, of a franchise. So, yeah, they, they had their chance and, you know, you can't have your cake and eat, you know, and eat it too. So, no chance for me. No way. Wouldn't bring me back. But I like the pick, Spence. I, I like putting in uh, extra problem. I was thinking about answering this with dreams. Be in mind. So you you kind of taken the thunder on that one. So well done. Uh, I've got two different games for you guys. I got one which definitely should never be made. I think we can all be in agreement on that. And then one that I could see being made when the well runs dry. Okay. So the first, nonce wars. So all that is. It's like back in the day in the 90s. Why do you always go here? Is... You always go here. Your mind, man. Wash your mind out with soap. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't come out well, did it? That didn't come out. You got no, the nonce no. on the brain no. now. I had, I had the idea the words just didn't, the words failed me. They did, no. they did. They let you down. So I was thinking about back in like the early 2000s, we had loads of games that were based off like um, Celebrity Deathmatch, right? And so you had like, all these different people fighting together and then you had like the rap-in fighting game didn't you like Def Jam fight for New York and all that stuff I'm thinking is that kind of style they're in an octagon uh so you're, you're fighting there like uh, MMA style style rules but you're fighting Rolf Harris against Ian Watkins you know and it's just that's all you got and then DLC maybe down the line or year one content Gary Glitter comes in and you got like their entrance music. So Rolf Harris, you got Animal Hospital. He walks out to. You got like you know all that stuff, and that should never be made, never be made in a million years. I think we can all be in agreement on that. That that kind of thing definitely should not be made. Um, you know the reward for if you win the title, maybe you bag a twelve-year-old Filipino bird. I don't know, right? Just putting these are things that shouldn't happen. You know, don't shoot the messenger here. Shouldn't happen. But the game. The game taking it onto something else that definitely shouldn't be made. Simulators are all the joy at the moment, aren't they? You know, you see that we've got Lawn Mowing Simulator coming out this month on uh, PlayStation Extra. There's simulators for, you know, power cleaning. For everything you can think of, there's a simulator. Tell you what, there isn't a simulator for Deathbed Simulator. 
where you literally lie there, you play as the guy dying on your deathbed, and you sit and look at the ceiling fan while a nurse comes in and brings you your lunch to eat, and you just tick down the time. No family visits you, there's nothing to do, and you just all you have to do is press one button, which is breathe. And you just play <laughs> until you can't breathe anymore. And that's it. And that's the game. Well, I can talk you into playing this one. I was, again, scrolling through Twitter, and a meme that, that popped up, and I've seen it a couple of times, was, was a guy um, tweeting about his father on the deathbed, and he said that he brought a stripper in um, <laughs> for his father, and I think he signed off the tweet with, maybe I made your cock move one more time, or something like this. Um, so I think if you had that as an element within your game, possibly, you know, if I'm on my deathbed, what do I want? cocktails i want my last meal or my steak dinner let's round it out with strippers why not i'm i'm thinking this is going to be one of those games where you're like kind of fucked you know like you're you're proper dead it's like the last couple of days where everyone's like <laughs> not long left now you know we're all the family like yeah i don't really want to go in anymore because re he's really looking bad now you know like he's all sunken and he's proper white and all that and so no one goes in so you're just literally there and you can't move all you do is breathe. So it's kind of like My Name is Mayo, but for breathing. But it's about how long you can kind of keep going. And then maybe <laughs> maybe after so long, they just give the mechanical, like, air to you, right? And, and you just, you're on that machine that, makes, that breathes for you. And then at that point, you can't do anything but sit and wait to die. And that's the game. And you just sit there. And you're just waiting for credits to roll. And you might be there for days. You might even be there for a month. It might be you going on for a lot longer than they thought. <laughs> but who knows? Is it a game that lasts 10 minutes? Or is it a game that lasts you two years? Who knows? Time to get in there and earn that platinum trophy, baby. Deathbed Simulator. Bloody hell. Mate. I'm sure that would be a super boring game to play, especially if your whole purpose is just to keep him breathing. So you just <laughs> have to sit there pressing X rhythmically. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's almost like metronome simulator going back to my music idea where you would just press one button continuously and just to see how long you could sustain that so it'd be a rhythm game but it'd be quite a boring rhythm game with keeping someone breathing yeah yeah and then occasionally maybe you get a splutter <laughs> <laughs> and then you gotta like press like circle randomly you know circle 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 x otherwise dead yeah that's the game which definitely shouldn't exist Listeners, if you've got any games that you think definitely shouldn't exist, write into the email, pswetrust at gmail.com, reach out to us on the socials, let us know. Now let's move it on to what we've been playing. This time on NPS We Trust, what have the boys been playing? So guys, it's been two weeks since the last podcast episode, and I'm desperate to know what you've been up to in that time. Tradition states... We start with yourself, Spence. So let's come across to you first. Sure. Lovely. Thank you, mate. Nice to get this voice out the way nice and quick. But I've actually not been playing too much at the moment. Obviously, going back to Street Fighter, Dead by Daylight, such. But in terms of new games, I've dabbled in a little bit of Death Store, but not enough that I really want to talk about it just yet. The game I've mostly been playing, and I felt it was the right time now, has been Spider-Man Remastered, which is the, obviously the PS5 port for Spider-Man 2018. Is it 2018? Spider-Man PS4. Yeah, and I think it was 2018. I think it was 2018, yeah. Yeah, and it's the, obviously it's the first time I've played the remaster, so the new Peter Parker face, all the beautiful ray tracing, oh, baby. And I just felt it was right, because now 
I was going to pick this game back up before Spider-Man 2 anyway. And I thought I didn't want to play it too soon. I didn't want to be a bit burnt out from Spider-Man approaching Spider-Man 2. So I thought I'd get it out the way now. I played it for about 25, 30 hours. Beat the main story. Beat all the DLC. And got myself a platinum. Ooh, that's a platinum. Well done, mate. Well done. How was it going back to uh, to Spider Man twenty eighteen? I've got it in in my kind of backlog that I want to play it before I go back in uh, before I play Spider Man two. How was it going back in and doing that? Was and I suppose the question is, obviously Miles was the last Spider Man that we all played together uh, that we all played on its release on the start of the PlayStation Five's life cycle. Was it good being back in the shoes of Peter, or did you kind of miss those powers that you get with Miles? I'll tell you what, I actually I thought I really would miss Miles's powers. I didn't. I just didn't think about it too much. Playing as Peter, he's just the OG Spidey, man. It was sick. Going back to that game, I kind of speed ran it when I played it the first time. Because I can't remember why. Um, but I just got through it as quick as I could. I beat it probably in like two or three days. And this time, I proper took my time with it. I was methodical. I was doing all the side missions, trying to listen to all the, um, the calls and the J. Jonah podcasts. And try and just get myself into that world. What a sick game, boys. Spider-Man PS4, even if it's on PS5. It's a near-perfect game. I loved every single second of that game. The research stations are really fun. The Taskmaster challenges are really fun. All the side stuff's really fun. The DLC is great. Awesome. Although the first one is like three times longer than either of the other DLCs. It kind of feels like they gave up after the first one. Or maybe they'd already started working on Miles. I'm not sure. But it felt like they got a bit lazy with that towards the end. But other than that, it's just a sick game. I'd play it again right now. I, I played it out of concern of being burned out. And I'm not. Now I'm just in it. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll play Miles before Spider-Man 2 as well. Even though I've already play- beaten it twice and got the Platinum. I might just do it anyway. Because those games, those games are sick. Great time. Great time. So, Spence, with this um, version of Spider-Man um, compared to the original uh, version of Spider-Man, what, what sort of were the key differences? You mentioned there was sort of like a graphical upgrade um, between the two. Uh, was there anything else within the game that sort of fundamentally changed at all? Sure. So it is mostly just graphical updates. It is just a remaster of the old game. Um, obviously, it's got ray tracing now. It's beautiful. Runs at 60. I played it on performance ray tracing as I do every game that has it. Because 60 FPS with ray tracing, what a time to be alive. And I did try out Fidelity Mode for about two minutes. And it makes me want to throw up. 30 FPS now, after I've been playing 60 FPS, I really cannot do it. I don't know why. But there's a lot of differences with this game. Mostly being the graphical update, Peter Parker's new face. Which caused quite a bit of a tiff on Twitter when it was first shown. But I think he looked great. I think he looks fantastic. Really suits the character and the voice. And he looks even better in the pictures I've seen for Spider-Man 2, so I'm keen for that change. But the one thing I noticed that's quite big is I utilized fast travel quite a lot in my playthrough. And on the PS5, or sorry, on the PS4, there was little scenes where you see Spidey on the train. And people being like, oh shit, that's Spider-Man. Whereas in the PS5, doesn't happen. Loads too quick. Doesn't have time to give you those little scenes. So I didn't see a single one. But you still get a little trophy for doing it five times. So that was quite nice. But yeah, it's mostly just improvements on improvements on improvements. Like I said, near perfect game. There's only 
this situationally bad with the um if you do a challenge like the research stations for harry as soon as you get to that research station new york's going to explode in two minutes and it's like why <laughs> yeah why <laughs> what every single research station is like oh the freaking the cell cell phone data or whatever is messing with my suit's technology so there's a freaking a range you have to be swinging in between and if you don't swing in between that you will die and if you don't <laughs> turn it off in two minutes they'll hit each other and the world explodes it's like what are you on about why all of a sudden is new york about to die because of because of pigeons flying around or because of fumes or i understand global disasters are happening and stuff and there's a lot of pollution and all that it's not that deep man why is he not like oh i just better check this out for harry it's like no get do it now it's we're, we're dead i didn't like that every single one there's like 30 in the game and each one is a new york explosion disaster waiting to happen and i was like bro these little <laughs> research stations ain't they're not doing that much calm down game but other than that and that was just a little thing that annoyed me other than that i think it is a perfect game and i'd love to play it again it's 10 out of 10 actually a 10 out of 10 it's just video game logic at the end of the day and i think you just gotta dispend your uh, disbelief on that one and, and and just you know strap yourself in and, and just enjoy the uh, ride but uh it definitely leaves us in a great place doesn't it with these uh, two spectacular uh, spider-man games out now for spider-man 2 i'm really really hyped and just before we move on spence you said you got the uh, platinum trophy uh what number is that for you are Ooh. you creeping up the rankings here tell you what let's have a little find out shall we I'm not too sure what it could be. Any guesses? He knows. He knows. He's playing with you, viewers. He is. He is. Of course he knows. Any guesses on what number it might be, boys? He rang up his girlfriend earlier and he was like, I'm on platinum number 35. Wow. I reckon this platinum, if we're taking a guess, I reckon this is platinum. I was going to say 30 something. Oh, so, I've gone 35. All right. I'm going to go 36. <laughs> Price is right it. Oh, scumbag. <laughs> we always do, mate. We always do. It, it is my 38th platinum. Oh, so great well guesses. Done, Congratulations. Great guesses. Creeping up. Glad we didn't put a shot on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, innit? Woohoo! Got away with that. Yeah, lovely. Oh. And it actually upgraded my trophy level, which is something we have now. So now I'm level 323. Nice, mate. Lovely. Rookie numbers. Got to get those numbers up, mate. Got to get those numbers I'm up. Trying, but mate, climbing, climbing. Well done. Well done. So, Phil, what about yourself? What have you been up to? Well, Davey, I've been playing two games outside of our multiplayer games. Um, I've been playing Hired Gun for the last time now. I know I've talked about this over and over and again on the podcast, but I have finally completed the game. So this was 13 missions over 10 hours. Yes, everyone's laughing 10 hours, and it's taken me three episodes of the podcast to complete, but I don't get a lot of time like everybody else to complete these games. So, and I've been playing Street Fighter as well. So that's my main excuse. Um, but those 10 hours were spent doing the main missions, which generally you find yourself having to assassinate important characters throughout the Necronomunda world, uh, and the story unfolds. Uh, through the hub which is called Martyr's End and it's beautifully narrated even though some of the <laughs> some of the characters faces don't move in time and some of the faces don't move at all there was an introduction of a character I think 
two-thirds of the way through the story and he came in with a mask on so they didn't have to animate his face it's just a double a game at heart and it just accepted that all the way through it made excuses for things that it didn't want to do so there's an upgrade system in it where you can upgrade your mastiff or your pet dog and you can upgrade yourself with bionics you're you're a bounty hunter in the world of necromunda when you upgrade the dog he changes. He looks different on the loading screen because he's not in any of the cutscenes. You, you don't change because you're in cutscenes. So your character always looks the same. Strange, but they just accepted this because, as I said, it's a double A game and they didn't make any excuses all the way through. Um, but outside of the main mission, I also played some side missions just so I could get all those important upgrades and hire my rating with, I think it was the Gene Stealer cult. So there's a little nod to any Warhammer fans because they might be in the story. No spoilers, obviously. Um, but for me, I'm going to give it a rating because this is the final time I'm going to talk talk about it, unless you guys of course got any questions but I'm going to rate it a good six out of ten okay I don't think it's I don't think it's a seven which maybe I've said in the past it's a six out of ten because I think you've got to love Necromunda to push yourself through this game and I just love the world of Warhammer 40k at the moment I'm really hyped about of course Space Marine 2 uh, and that's the reason it brought me back to this game and I'm really glad I did because I need a side game when I'm playing Street Fighter and there's a lot of burnout with that game and it's quite nice to just jump in do a couple of missions running around as a bounty hunter swinging from your grappling hook using all his special mystical powers that he seems to get as he levels up and then of course this massive array of guns and if anyone is looking for a top tier gun you want to get yourself an auto pistol and upgrade the amount of bullets that you have in because you can hold that baby down all day and just spray and lay <laughs> <laughs> spray and lay nice nice do you guys have any questions about necromunda because that's the last time i'm talking about it not really, no, mate. No, I'd be quite glad to get to get shot of it, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's, I'm glad that you've played it and you've kind of you've jumped on this grenade for us, to be honest. And, uh, you know, if you came out of this on the other side and you said, look, guys, I know I've talked shit about it and, you know, set your expectations. It's quite middling. But actually, you know, it's like a, it's like an eight out of ten or something like that. Then maybe I might be like, oh, do you know what? I'll check this out. But six out of ten is decent. You know, very much like mid game, really. But, um, you know, Double A's got a charm to it, doesn't it? And you can see, like, where the budget is and where it's gone. And, and it's quite amusing in those parts. And they're things that you can forgive quite easily. But, but yeah, it, I'm glad that you finished with it, mate. I, I suppose the only question I've got for you, any chance of going for Platinum on this? Is it quite a hard list to be able to go through? Or is that just something that you are done with and you never want to see this game again? Well, as much as I'm not a trophy hunter, this game seems particularly easy. So I might find myself back in this game trying to get a couple more trophies in between Street Fighter because there's a little bit of time before we get into the Armoured Core Fires of Rubicon. Um, so I need to fill that gap. It was either that game or possibly play through Stray. So these are the ones that I've got going on at the moment as a possibility. Um, but of course, outside that, I have been playing The Expanse. Um, those games, generally the episodes, only last sort of two hours, maybe an hour and a half each episode that's released. And they're released period 
periodically if I get my words out. I think every two weeks or every week and a half. Um, and I've just done the second episode of The Expanse. So that's my other game I want to talk about. And I did a little bit of an introduction um, because Davey, me and yourself, we appeared on Lewis's um, Xbox, Mar oh, sorry, X Marks the Box, the Xbox podcast uh, the other week. And I gave my initial impressions of The Expanse after not really playing a Telltale game um, that recently. And I've been saying I've really been enjoying it. It's quite nice to jump back into the world of The Expanse. I absolutely love the six series that were um, aired across sci-fi and Netflix. And it was very nice to take control of Drummer, my favourite character within The Expanse. Um, but episode two, it does face you with a couple of uh, different options throughout the game. Actually, there's only one choice in this one. There was two in the first one. And let me tell you, this mission was action-packed. Wink, wink. And that's in more ways than one. There was girls... There was more girls, and there was guns. So hey. this is what you want. You didn't know what I was going to say there. Did I, I built up the suspense there, didn't I? Yeah. Girls, girls, big paws, and guns, Oof. which was quite nice, actually, because the first episode didn't necessarily have a lot of action, um, but this one... It had a bit of action. There was ways to die, which was very nice. There was some drone action in there. Um, and then there was a big battle with a gun, which was very nice for a, for a Telltale game. So uh, really been enjoying it. As I said, I rate it much higher than I suppose most people would because I'm such a massive fan of The Expanse. Um, but I'm loving everything. So that's that's the other game that I've been sort of playing, playing away with um, in the background between Street Fighter. Um, but th those episodes are finished now. Um, so yeah. I might go back to higher gun, might try and get the platinum, or might try and fit in stray before armored core. Nice. Well, I got a question for you with um, when it comes to the expanse. So, the last Telltale game I played, I I think the Walking Dead season three, which was the last of the Walking Dead, um, I think that was done by Skydance after Telltale kind of went bankrupt and Skydance kind of picked up the pieces and finished it off. But I don't know how much of uh, of the remnants of that were left from the original Telltale. I wanted to know, with when it comes to, like, the shooting and stuff like that, how did that work? Was it a case that you had, like, an icon on screen that you had to move your cursor up to and then press R2? Because that's very much how they used to do it back in the day. Or was it, have they done something very different now to how that moment-to-moment -moment gameplay works? So, now, when I say there was gun action, and there was girl-on-girl -girl action, okay, Ooh. it was quick-time events. Okay. So it was very much a pause in the dialogue. Something would happen. You would either press left or right or up or down to move your character within a quick time, within a lot of time. Uh, and then you had the two triggers to either move the gun to the left, move the gun to the right, and then, of course, shoot. Um, but the expanse very much is storytelling at its heart. There's a bit of exploration, but ultimately it's the character interaction that you get the you get your money's worth with the game. So you get to learn a lot more now about Drummer because as I mentioned on Lewis's podcast, she only really came into the expanse probably the third series as a main character before she was just sort of a fan favorite that people really wanted to know more about. And I think this one really fills in a little bit of background on on that character. So that that's really where as I said you get your worth from the action isn't really action as much as this episode was action packed with those with those prominent things, girls and guns. Sounds like classic Telltale, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they they've done some of my favorite games. You know, the Walking Dead series and the Batman series both were absolutely phenomenal from Telltale. I know Spencer a big fan of the Wolf Among Us as well from Telltale. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they 
you know, they, they've got a great body of work behind them. I suppose the only other question I've got for you uh, when it comes to this is one thing that Telltale are renowned for, uh, absolutely renowned for, is bugs. Bugs and crashes. Now, did you experience any of those across your two episodes so far of The Expanse? Have we heard the theme tune? No. No, we have not. Well, I'm glad to tell you, we're not going to be hearing the theme tune on these first two episodes because I'm not really the bug hunter. You know, I'm 38 now. I probably overlook if there are bugs. And I'm sure people are screaming out their radios now when they're driving into work. Phil, didn't you notice this on episode one, part B? No. I just glossed through because I was enjoying it. I had my rose-tinted glasses on and I was wandering through just enjoying the game. So I think at a point, probably Spencer, the main bug hunter on the show, needs to play this game and pick those bugs up because I'm sure they're there. I mean, I can, but it's not a job that I'm willing to take, my friend. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. I'm trying to be a changed man and steer clear of bugs. It's been haunting my life for years. I'm trying to change, but there's a will, there's a way, and fate just pulls me back in, and I don't want to encourage it. So <laughs> maybe at some point, but let me let me rest, let me let me get away from the bugs, please. Spencer's a bit like Jubilee, isn't he? Wherever he goes, like technology seems to fail a little bit. So he goes up to his PlayStation. It's almost like he's zapping it with those electric powers or whatever Jubilee's got. And things just seem to go wrong more often with Spencer than anyone else. Um, but if anyone's going to spot those bugs on the podcast, it's definitely you, mate. So I'll have to share the game if I can at some point with you. And maybe you spend an hour, two hours and just run through an episode. Well, there you go. So for me, guys, I've got two games I'm going to talk to you about today. The first and the major one I want to talk through is Final Fantasy 16. Now, I know that you guys are not the biggest fans of this, and I'm not here to convince you. I'm here just to share my appreciation for this game. So I'm now at about 20 hours in to Final Fantasy 16, and it has been nuts. It's been wild how much stuff's happening. Now, it's still very much a case of cutscene talking through stuff, action, and that's the way it works. That's just the game. But I have had moments where I've been put into larger hub worlds where I can run around, I can do side quests, I can just go and hunt creatures if I want to. I can do all that kind of stuff. And now the game's opened up more where i got like a big hunt thing that I can do. I can do all this extra content if I want to do it and they're a little bit more challenging. The big thing I'm finding the story it just gripped me by the balls it's so good it's so hype and everything i thought that was going to happen has turned out to be the case uh, in terms of the relationship between the two brothers and all that stuff uh, definitely going the way i thought it was but now it's kind of turned on its head and now it's going in places i don't know where it's going to go and i'm so looking forward to seeing where that unravels but the combat is the big thing the combat has totally changed from where it was when I spoke about this two weeks ago. So now I've got three different sets of powers that I can go through. So I've got lightning, I've got wind, uh, and I've got fire. And then mixed in with that now, I've got another system, which is like your limit break system, where then I can embody the powers of Ifrit. So I get extra powered up, I move quicker, shooting fire everywhere. And there's something just really awesome about specking your, choosing which skills you want to have and using them in combination so that you can like use the wind power to lift them up. And then from there, I've got a fire move which flies while you're on fire, like human torch style, through enemies. So I can just lift a load of them up, fly between them all. And then I got this lightning bolt, 
which then just absolutely melts and zaps enemies. And you've got all that going on while you're balancing a dog that's knocking about, hitting people, and your teammates that have also got powers. It's just hype. It just works so well. And I think that it's not a traditional Final Fantasy in any way, but it's really got its hooks in me. Really strongly got its hooks in me. And I'm looking forward now to getting another 20-odd hours through and seeing the game through and, and seeing how it continues to build. because. Every time I think it's going to uh, like crescendo and start going downhill, it just somehow gets hyper. And it just keeps doing this over and over again. And, and for me, it's one of the best cinematic experiences that I've had in a while. Um, I'll have to see how I feel by the end of it. And if, that, if it does start to slope, because right now, I don't know how it can keep surpassing itself. But really overwhelmingly positive review so far for me for this and i'm looking forward to uh give you all an update in a couple of weeks time and see how it comes out when it comes to final ratings i don't imagine you guys got any questions on final fantasy 16 i think you're probably feeling the same way i did about necromunda right yeah 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 thought so well the final game we've been playing and this is certainly one that isn't uh beloved on the podcast but is beloved everywhere else for review on youtube i've been going back to resident evil 4 the original and uh, I've been playing Separate Ways, which is the DLC where you play as Ada. Now, that is rumoured to be coming out as part of Resident Evil 4 Remake, but Capcom haven't announced that yet. And so I thought, right, well, it's about time to go and revisit this. It's been a long time since I've done it. And the story with Separate Ways is all about filling in the gaps, really. So obviously, the main game you're playing is Leon, and Ada comes in to help you at certain key parts and certain things she's doing behind the scenes. Well, you're doing those. So you're the person who rings the bell tower right at the start to save Leon from all the villagers. You're the person who uh, sneaks up on the big cheese to shoot him through the window as he's grabbing Leon. All these key moments that you have. But what I really like about it is that the way Ada controls is she's a lot quicker than Leon. She's got less health. But you're just really fluid around the environment. And you can get got more verticality thanks to the hookshot. So you can run along and you can see like a a ledge where it's got like a load of barrels or whatever in the main game and you think oh i can't get those ada can and they're designed for ada to go get them and it's just really cool it's really nice it's the same resident evil 4 kind of style gameplay so it falls down for that because it's obviously not survival horror but it's great it was about three and a half hours long so quite long really for a little piece of side content and i really enjoyed it i came away from it thoroughly impressed at how much was there and uh, and looking forward now to uh, the in- the inevitable kind of uh, announcement that this is coming to Resident Evil 4 Remake. And that would certainly be a, a nice little way to compare the two. I've got one question for you, mate. We've had a little trend lately where survival horror, especially from that kind of era and shortly after, the DLC has been better than the game itself. Does that ring true for this as well? Do you think the DLC is better than the actual game? No. No, I don't think so with this. I, You know, you, you think about what happens across Resident Evil 4. You've got some really cool-ass moments, right? And you've got some great boss fights. Um, you know, you've got the regenerators that, that you've got to deal with. They're an awesome enemy. You've got the fight with, uh, with Krauser. It's a great fight in Resident Evil 4 original. Um, all that stuff. There's none of that, really. There's two boss fights in this, so two original boss fights. So you have an, a final confrontation with Krauser again as Ada which is really cool, and put him down. Um, and you have a fight with uh, Lord Sadler just before he comes out and, uh, and, and takes on Leon right at the end. And they're really cool, and they're like original boss fights. 
but there wasn't anything that overly stood out. It was just, it was just the same kind of base game with an Ada skin, but it was just cool seeing the story elements and how they've kind of woven them together. And you could tell that throughout development, they had this in mind and, uh, and you can see that they've really just put a lot of care and thought into it. It doesn't feel like a, like an afterthought, but, uh, but no, I can't say it's better because it is the, essentially the same game. It's not like uh, Dead Space 3 Awakened, which is just much better, or Resident Evil 5 DLC, which you and me played through recently, Spence, which is much better than base Resident much. Evil 5. So it's, um, yeah, it's not on, on quite that level. It's very much on the same level as 4, but obviously way shorter content, and a lot of it's just is obviously recycled areas, so it doesn't have the same kind of pizzazz as uh, Resident Evil 4 base. But that brings us on to an announcement for yourself, doesn't it, Phil, when it comes to Resident Evil? Well, Davey, yes, thanks for the introduction. And everyone knows who's listened to the podcast for a little bit of time that we are massive Resident Evil fans. And I was thrilled to hear that Humble Bundle was doing a bundle for Resident Evil, which included Resident Evil Village. A coupon for 25% off, a little bit questionable, um, for the uh, Winter's Expansion. Then we had Resident Evil 3 Remake, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, Resident Evil 6, Resident Evil 5 Gold Edition, Resident Evil 4, the 2005 edition, Resident Evil 0, the HD remake, uh, Resident Evil Revelations Deluxe, uh, Resident Evil the OG, and Resident Evil Revelations. Now, most of those I didn't actually own on Steam, so I bought them for my Steam Deck. I didn't go for the full um, run down there because I didn't want to get Resident Evil Village because it did bump up the price. I actually bought the second tier, which was around 15 quid, and I got everything under Village and the 25% off coupon, which, as I said, is absolutely pointless that they've included that. Um, but I do, I did own a few of those games. So I did own three of those games originally. So that was Resident Evil HD Remastered, Resident Evil 6, and Resident Evil Zero HD Remastered. So I'm more than happy to give them away uh, to a loyal viewer or listener. So if you want them, we're going to do a bit of a giveaway. And I think rather than try and stitch you up with saying that you need to subscribe here and do X, Y, and Z, just message me, just DM me, uh, and let me know which one you want, and I'll send over the code. First come, first serve. So it's going to be as easy as that. So you're talking here about some of the best games, well, the one best game in Resident Evil 1. Resident Evil 0 is pretty damn good. And then you got 6. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, you've good got luck. 6. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure someone will want it. Popular game, mate. Popular game. I'll tell you what, it's actually kind of a double whammy. Because as soon as you sent this in the chat, what a fantastic offer. I actually purchased this myself as well. And, like, similar to yourself, I actually already own some of these. I did the exact same thing when for the tier down, because I don't need Village on Steam. And I'm more than happy to give away the copies I don't need as well. I only bought this for RE2 and 3 Remake on PC so I could play with mods, make the game harder, custom skins, stuff like that. So I'm happy to give away RE1, RE Revelations, RE6, RE5, RE4, RE0, Revelations 2, and Resident Evil 7. So we can add those into the mix as well. Wowee, wowee. What a great time. What a great time to be a fan of the podcast or a fan of Resident Evil, or I suppose especially if you've never played a Resident Evil before, this is your opportunity to dive in and get a taste for any of them that you fancy. So make sure to message the guys. And if you're listening on podcast services and you're thinking, oh, how do I reach out to them? Check the description. All our socials are in the description of the podcast. Have a little look, send the message out. They'll look forward to hearing from you. 
Now, with that revelation... Oh, oh see what you did there. See what you did there. I like it. We're going to move it on to quick news. Quick news. So, listeners, viewers, you have made it through to quick news. And this week, we are going to flip reverse it like we do on the rags. We're going to change it up slightly, okay? So, we're going to be doing impressions again. But I don't want to give you an impression. I want to guess the impression, okay? So, I'm going to give you a theme. I'm going to nominate. And then it's our task then to guess the, what the impression is first, okay? So, for example, if you're doing, uh, I don't know, an impression of Scooby-Doo and you do, I don't know, and then me and Davey, we get to guess and he goes, Scooby-Doo first, then he gets the point, okay? And that's the way we're going to play it this time round. So, we're changing it, okay? Um, but for these impressions, I want you to pick something, an item, that's found in your kitchen to do an impression of. So it's quite open-ended. It can be any item you find in the kitchen. And Spence, I want you to do an impression. And then me and Davey, we're going to buzz in. And then we're going to guess which one it is. But we'll let you do the impression first. Sure. Okay. So just any random kitchen item? Any random kitchen item. Let's get it, boys. Or appliance. Anything. Anything you find in the kitchen. Lovely. Bing, bing. Bing, bing. Mm. Microwave. Oh. Is it? Are we doing hands up or just shout it out? Got surely shout out. Shout it out. Oh. Who was first? Who came through first? Phil came through first. Very close though. Like second. Lovely. Lovely. Quick news. So lads, listeners, watchers, friends. Oh, friends. All together. Oh, lovely. PlayStation Stars, which obviously I imagine everyone's been keeping track of on their phone, will soon be integrated into the PS5 system software itself. So now you're not going to have to go check on your phone and be like, oh, what, what are the games I need to play to get points today? How many points do I have? Can I afford this game? Can I afford this game? Now you'll be able to check straight from your PS5. And thank God, because honestly, I haven't utilized Stars in months. I have completely forgotten about the service and now it, that it's going to be in my face a bit more and a bit more easier to check, I can just check on the fly whilst I'm playing games. I think that is a great little change and will definitely get me utilizing the service a bit more. Davey, I know you use stars quite frequently. Are you happy with this change? 100%, yeah, 100%. I, I use stars, like you say, all the time. I've got push notifications on, so I receive it just saying, hey, do you want to look at this campaign? I go on, I own my little collectibles. I move them around, being able to have them on my profile on my PlayStation. It's just a cool little thing. I, I do quite like having my little PlayStation VR 2 in there, having my Death Stranding guy, having all these different things that I've got in my collection. I, I, I do quite like it and quite suck it in by it. But I think for me, the bigger thing is I won't miss out on getting those like extra coins that you get for just doing what I would normally do. But you've got to sign up to obviously take part in that campaign. So one extra step. Uh, being removed from the equation of having to check the PS app, always a great time. So yeah, I'm I'm 100% in for this. I think it's a great change. I'm looking forward to when this eventually does get fully added in because this is uh, obviously soon to be integrated. It's not in it's not in place just yet. Yeah, and Phil, you obviously for some reason detest <laughs> this service as just a three little thing that gives you money for doing stuff you do anyway. What? Well, for one, is this going to make you use stars do you think is this something that might you might be like oh well it's there now i may as well what do you think 
absolute waste of time when this idea first came out i boohooed it and now i'm boohooing it even further mate i don't want to be bothered about getting points all my points have expired now i've got to buy a game quickly because i got five pounds off no thank you i'm at a stage in my life if i want a game i'm just going to buy a game and that's not a flex games are affordable for for me at this age i know it's a credit crunch at the moment and i don't need a couple of pence off each game that i'm buying so yes i'm not interested in this this news hurts me because they're shoving it down my throat okay and i think one of my accounts at the moment got suckered in i may have clicked okay and now it alerts me every five minutes that there's a new star to collect there's a new thing to go and do no thank you turn it off i'm not interested my man's Outrageous. got club card. He's got his John Lewis rewards points. He's got his fucking shell card. He's got all this bollocks. But he's like, free money off games just for buying games and playing games? No, thank you. <laughs> Makes no sense, bro. Make it make sense. <laughs> Outrageous. Absolutely outrageous, but I think we don't need to go too deep in the stars. It's being added soon. Obviously, we'll probably check it out when it does get added, see how well they implement it into the system. But for now, that is that bit of news. Moving swiftly on, coming around to you, Davey. Lay it on us. Kettle. Kettle. Kettle, yeah. You have to wait till the end yeah. of the impression, was I it? thought. Yeah, that was Jeez. a kettle. That was a kettle too. Yeah, he ticked. did not get that. It's because it's he ticked at the start that I got it. The water bubbling, the, sm- the steam at the end. You know, it's not like an American kettle where you put it on the stove and you wait for it to whistle. Not one of those. But well done, Spence. Nailed it. Quick news. We have some major news coming to Dead by Daylight. Now, we don't often report on these things when they've got new killers or anything like that. However, this one is very special. And it's a killer that I've been asking for for what seems like years. The Xenomorph is coming to Dead by Daylight on August 29th. And alongside the Xenomorph, you've got uh, a new map on LV426 and a new survivor in Ellen Ripley herself. I've been le- checking all the, all the information out on this one because it's, it's now in the public beta. Uh, some people on PC are able to try this and play around with the Xenomorph and see how cool it is and what, what powers and attacks and counters and everything else that you have with this new killer. I'm super excited by this. I think it's something they should have added a long time ago. So glad they got the license. And to me, it opens up the door then to potentially have Predator in the mix, which would be an awesome killer for Dead by Daylight as well. So I was super happy with this. Spence, as somebody who plays Dead by Daylight as religiously as I do, did this news get you excited? Mate, hell yeah. I mean, I've recently been on the Aliens train. So I watched Alien a while ago with my missus. We loved it. She's always, it's one of her favorite movie series anyway. And I'd watched them when I was a kid, but not really since. So I watched Alien, fantastic. And then you and I went to the cinema to watch Aliens. And what an exceptional film that is. It was actually fantastic, brilliant time. And it's just the perfect time for them to release this killer. And like you said, I've not been checking in on it as much as you have. Obviously, I'm not as big an Aliens fan as you. You're tried and true, adore the series. But I've looked at it a bit. Ellen Ripley looks fantastic. The killer looks fantastic. The map looks really cool. Mm. Uh, it's the first map, I think, to actually have like secret rooms where you can find key cards and you can go and open rooms and there's guaranteed chests in there to get loot. I think it's really cool. Good little system. 
And that killer walking around would see that open door and be like, fuck. <laughs> One of them's probably got a flashlight. Oh, fuck me. I think it's cool. I think it's a really cool addition to the game. And following Nicolas Cage into this, I'm just excited to see what we get in the future. I can't wait to try this DLC, and I can't wait to see what they bring out next. Now, Phil, you've you've dabbled in a bit of Dead by Daylight with us, but certainly not as kind of committed to the cause as we are. Do you think this is a this is a good little inclusion, and does it kind of get you excited to tr- to play a little bit more Dead by Daylight, maybe with us? Yeah, definitely. And I know Dead by Daylight; they always do these kind of IPs justice. Because I jumped in for the Resident Evil stuff. I jumped in because there was a, a particular saw saw level, and my God, that was incredible. He has said it. So I've said it now, right? I can't really drink. So a shot in the dock for me. But of course, they. That, what I was trying to say is that they do IPs justice. And I'm really excited to potentially jump in with you guys. As you said, I'm not the biggest Dead by Daylight, but the time we have spent with the game, I have really enjoyed it. And I'm a big fan of Aliens. I do love the movies as much as uh, you guys know I'm not a big movie buff. Those are a set of movies I have seen. So I would be able to pick up on some of the references uh, that they include within Dead by Daylight. So looking forward to it. Definitely a Thursday night. 100%, 100%. Let's see what we have coming on the horizon. Could we get other tie-ins like this now that Disney and Fox have signed off on Alien being included? The doors are open, boys. We could have a whole host of new killers and new survivors coming in that previously I thought just would never make the cut. So super well done, super exciting news. Phil, coming across to yourself, let's hear your impression. Shh. Boiling water on an oven? Both of you are correct, but David, you're more correct because you filled it out. I did. I was boiling water on an oven. So I, w- I was turning on the gas. We had a little bit of the flame. We had a bit of the gas. I had the clicker going, and then I was boiling the water, and you had the bubbles coming up. So uh, correct there, David. One point to yourself. Yes. Quick news. Okay, guys, I've got some fresh Street Fighter 6 news. And th- as this has come from Evo. And... Um, We were big fans. We watched the tournament live. We had a sleepover and we had a bit of a a night together. We enjoyed a couple of beers and we watched some sets, didn't we, boys? It was a great night. And one of the announcements that happened at EVO is that we're getting a new character. They've announced the next character that they're going to be including. And we are talking about the mechanical poison aficionado aki or aki herself and this character is beautiful but crazy looking and i and she can't wait to sink her nails into her opponents come this autumn 2023 so keep your eyes glued to capcom's feed street fighters feed our feed because it's going to be aki 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 cannot wait for this character what about yourself boys are you into this one Definitely. This is the character, when they showed the announcements of who was coming, obviously Akuma's hype, right? Akuma's the one that we're all really super excited by, you know, die 1000 deaths. But this was the other character that I had a big question mark on in terms of, oh, this looks interesting. She looks cool. And seeing her design, seeing the way that they kind of showed that through World Tour, I thought, yeah, this looks cool. How are they going to get the poison working? Hopefully they get it better than Fang in Street Fighter V. That's kind of the big question for me. I, we have no idea what she plays like, nothing like that yet. But in terms of her character design and the way she looks, she looks really interesting. Super mega evil. 
And I got a feeling that when you're on that character select and you're loading in, you can make those faces. She's going to have some proper menacing faces, which are going to be bants. So I reckon she's going to be, she's cool. I'm, I'm definitely interested in this. The big question for me is, Spence, is this another one for the wank bank? No. <laughs> Absolutely not, mate. Absolutely not. I was going to say, a lot of people are really keen on her design. Um, some people are a bit weirded out by her hair. It's kind of being like a reverse guile look. I think she looks very cool. She's not one for me in terms of appearance. Um, but I think she's cool. I'm waiting to see how she plays because all they've shown is that little snippet of just her and World Tour. We're yet to see her moveset or how her poison works. Like you said, hopefully everyone's hoping it's better than Fang. But we just have to wait and see. And I'm keen for it to come out. I mean, this game, it's been out two months. We've already got Rashid. They've already showed us Aki or however you pronounce her name. And it's great. But like you said, just give me Akuma. Just give me Akuma. That's what I want. That's the first time I'll play a male character. Akuma. Oh, can't wait. But yeah, Aki, Aki does look sick. I am keen to give her a go. And just see how she plays. I'm looking forward to it. The future does look bright for Street Fighter. Right, moving on, Spence. You are next up. Let's hear your impression. So an item found in the kitchen. Sure. Eh? A squeaky tap? It's a squeaky tap. <laughs> it was a squeaky tap. <laughs> oh, that one was. I was reaching Dave's with that on one. it. On it. <laughs> I was reaching with that one. I was thinking, what the fuck is it? I thought maybe you left the gas on. I see. Why would it squeak? Who squeaks with the gas on? So yeah, happy with that. <laughs> nice one. Cheers, mate. Quick news. So lads, as always, I'm coming back. The heat. I'm the guy who brings you the new games coming out, and I'm here to do it again. So let's dive into this. We got brand new announcements for the PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium games. So for Extra and Premium, the games that are getting added to the game catalog are as follows. Sea of Stars, PS4, PS5. Moving Out 2, PS4, PS5. Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, PS4, PS5. Lost Judgment, PS4, PS5. Destroy All Humans 2, Reproved, PS4, PS5. Two Point Hospital Jumbo Edition, it's one for Davey. PS4. Source of Madness, PS4, PS5. Cursed to Golf, PS4, PS5. Definitely check that one out. Dreams, PS4. Which is a bit strange. We just got that on the essentials, but they've done that before in the past as well. PJ Masks, Heroes of the Night, PS4, PS5. Another one for Davey. He loves his kid games. Hotel Transylvania, Scary Tale Adventures, PS4, PS5. Lawn Mowing Simulator Landmark Edition, PS4, PS5. Spellforce 3 Reforced, PS4, Midnight Fight Express, PS4, and then we have some PlayStation Premium classics coming to the mix as well, which are Medieval Resurrection, Ape Escape on the Loose, and Pursuit Force Extreme Justice, all for the PS4 and the PS5. Now, lads, as usual, I'm just going to come across to you boys. Any of these games stand out to you? Any that you're quite grateful to add to the service, or do you think it's a bit of a bum month? Open floor, let me have it. Sure, yeah. The the one that comes to mind straight away, and a game that I've actually been wanting to play, because it was on Xbox originally, and it's just coming over now, is Midnight Fight Express. So this we saw a trailer for this, I remember, back on uh, back on one of the games conferences that we've seen probably about a year ago. And uh, I remember it looked amazing. It looks so cool. 
uh kind of like that hotline miami vibes in terms of like being a kind of like brawler and going through getting your points up doing its best you can don't get hit rack your combos up just really fun gameplay experience and then it was just day one on game pass i thought oh shit we haven't even got it it hadn't even come out or it didn't feel like it had if it had come out because uh, i think it came out last august if uh, my googling when i first saw this came out uh, is correct and uh, and now it's coming across to this service so it's a game i would have bought uh, but now we're getting it for free so i'm super chuffed with this definitely a day one for me i'm going to be playing that immediately as soon as it's on the system and apart from that guys you know i love these simulators you know i can't get enough we've done wine we've done bass fishing time to crack out the lawnmower i'm going to give that a go i'll be talking about it on the next episode of mps we trust giving my review on lawnmower simulator after the first hour so stupid i'm surprised you didn't mention paw patrol mate thought that'd be right up your alley uh well it's it's pj masks isn't it it's pj masks uh heroes of the night and uh cass my yeah, son is he's not a fan of pj masks really not we saw him live in butlins as well and he was like nope don't mess with those why would i want someone that looks like you know a dodgy cat character who's got speed powers when i could just look at you know a justice league animated show you know like what's the point what are they what are they fulfilling there they're not mighty pups the Mighty Pups have got the powers of the JLA. Of course they do. But they're cute little dogs. And they got cool vehicles. So what more do you want? This isn't Mighty Pups. This is getting in the bin. PJ Mass ain't for us. Fair enough, fair enough. Phil, mate, any of these games stand out to you? Do you think it's a good month? Do you think it's a bum month? Yeah, for me, the game that really sticks out is Two Point Hospital. Now, this is a uh, management game, management simulator game. And I was kind of hoping, Dave, you would have picked this one because it was bags of fun watching you play the wine simulator recently. Uh, so we could have gone down the same route with Two Point Hospital. Um, but back in the day, I used to be a big theme hospital fan. I think that was around 1997. Um, but this is very much just an updated version of theme hospital. Looks very similar, but nice sort of cartoony graphics, rounded. It looks very malleable uh, to play and interesting. It did get a 9 out of 10 on Steam, so it's quite highly rated. I think if I did have that as an option, I did have a night free, I would jump into Two Point Hospital. But of course, I would worry slightly how that game would translate onto a handset rather than sort of a mouse and keyboard, uh, because I know management games can get a little bit finicky. Um, outside that, you can't argue with Ape Escape. I used to love the Ape Escape games back in the day on the PS1. Um, so if that was an option for me, I would definitely be spending some time running around, catching some little monkeys with little lights on their heads with my little net. Love that game. Classmate, classmate. Great shout with the Ape Escape as well. For me, the only games that really stand out, it's only two games. And that is Moving Out 2, because me and my girlfriend played Moving Out. I didn't enjoy it too much, but she loved it. So we'll probably play that together. That'd be nice. And the other game is Cursed to Golf. Obviously, we've been on a bit of a mini-golf tear lately with Walkabout, mini-golf, fantastic game. And this game is a golfing roguelike where there's a curse trying to take over you and you need to beat the course under par before that happens. Otherwise, it resets you back to the start. So it's a bit of high-tension golf. What a time to be alive. You're like, <laughs> oh, you better make your shot. Oh, you better, you got four seconds to make it. Or you're like, what? Oh, bang. I think that sounds like a great little time. Curse to golf. Game of the year. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing all your uh, all your reviews on these games on the next episode or so. I look forward to that. Game of the year for Spence. Like his top five are all just golf games. <laughs> he loves so golf. Lee loves them. Cannot get enough. Just eat some up. Mm -hmm. Give me more golf. <laughs> Golf's great, mate. 
<laughs> I think golf's sick. What a great time. I was watching uh, women's open golf the other day. Lovely. Lovely. Great We're time. We're losing him. We're losing him, Phil. Put her into golf. Move it on. Move it on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving swiftly on, boys. Coming back round to yourself, Davey. Lay it down, and one of us will pick it up. Crack on. Washing machine. Washing machine. Well done, Spencer. Well done. Jeez. Jeez, I'm not getting these. Well done. Quick news. The Callisto Protocol developer has been hit with layoffs. Now, of course, this is Striking Distance Studios who developed Callisto Protocol, the game that we were very excited by when we uh, when we first heard about Callisto. And then the realization hit us quite hard, quite a bit like getting just punched right in the bollocks. And uh, we finished the game and came out very lukewarm on it. To me, this isn't really a big surprise, to be honest with you. I mean, the game had, it apparently cost like 1.61 million or something, some crazy sum. And it had a 5 million target to be hit. It's only sold about 2 million. To me, there's not a big shock here. But it is a shame because some of the, some of the high profile names that have gone from this now are like senior environmental designers, uh, senior just senior people from all over the place. And it does make you wonder what the future of striking distance is going to be for the next project. Obviously for, you know, your normal kind of jobbers, the people that come in and just get a project through, like your agency workers, they're going to go. Of course, they go at the end of every major project. But to see senior people leaving like this um, is a little bit worrying. Now, it's important to note that striking distance have not put out a post themselves on this. They have not noticed it. It's only been picked up from LinkedIn. Uh, and from tweets from individual people. So we don't have a comment from them yet. I wish everyone all the best. But uh, unfortunately, it's just the reality of the business. If you don't put out a game that, that lands and it costs quite a fair bit to do, there's going to be casualties. Has anyone got any thoughts on this, guys? Or is this one just to uh, pour out a drink to and say, unfortunately, it is what it is? It's really sad to hear this is happening to them because you're right, it wasn't positively sort of reviewed uh, by the community. It was very negative on Twitter, especially the DLC bombing as well. Um, but I know when we had our previous discussions around maybe the future um, of this game series, if there is going to be a second one, something needed to change. And I think because we're getting a lot of movement now with the backroom staff at Striking Distance, they're almost forced to change. So if they do revisit Callisto Protocol at any point in the future, and we do get that continuation of the story, we're going to see a new game. So potentially this could be a positive thing for the company, but very negative for the people losing their jobs, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I have to agree. It's horrible news, but at the same time, you released a mediocre game that is along the same vein as Dead Space and you released it the same time Dead Space Remake came out. It was never going to do particularly well. Uh, so it's understandable this has happened. It is still horrible news. But like you said, Phil, hopefully it does flip around to be a positive for the company anyway and for the games they develop in the future. But for the people that did lose their jobs, it is just hard news. And it is, like you said, Davey, just the way the business goes. So like you said, pull one out. Pull one out, boys. Hopefully they land on their feet. So, let's move this onwards. Mr. Hoy, coming around to you. I'd love to hear your impression, please. 
Okie doke. Cutting stuff up, putting it in a pan. Correct. Oh, you are well. you are hot fire at this tonight, oh, David. Doing well, Jeez. Doing well, Jeez. Quick yeah. news. Let's move this on. And I've got an announcement, guys. This is huge information. Sony patents Smellovision. Okay, and I can't say that without laughing because they're patting in a video game aroma technology. Okay, so this is to simulate odors from the video game world to enhance the player's immersion. Now, this is something definitely that would work in my game earlier that I came up with. Imagine that night out simulator. You're going along, you can smell the shots you're taking them, you can smell that beer, and then you can smell the, smell the puke at the end of the night, of course. Um, it would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Now, I know game companies and movies have toyed around with this in the past i know at the moment we've got the teenage mutant ninja turtles game where you plug um i think it's a piece of pizza into the back of the xbox and you put a bit of scent in there so you can smell the pizza as you're playing the game now for me i don't really believe in all this mumbo jumbo i don't even like vr or any of the move controllers or any of the other stuff, just give me a handset or a mouse and keyboard and I'm happy. I'm a basic bitch gamer in that respect. But I know you guys, you like your fads, you buy all this up. Would you be buying the Smellovision for PlayStation if it came fully Sony branded? Would you be putting your money down day one? Spencer, coming over to you first. Sure, mate. So yeah, like you said, a few people have toyed with this in the past. Like you said, the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Xbox controller. There was also, I believe, a South Park kind of joke video regarding this it's a gimmick and it's not a good one it's abysmal but i will say dependent on the price and if it works with street fighter so when i'd play against cami and if she could grab me and i'd go oh, <laughs> baby. oh fuck just mm. when you think you're you're over it you know with aki coming in i thought oh my god maybe we're turning a new corner we're straight back in there you want to be smelling that crotch as she hooligans up over you is it Dude, oh yeah it. brother <laughs> and i also i hate fighting jury but if i could smell defeat every time i get hit oh baby <laughs> jesus grateful Christ. i'd be grateful for it but it, it is a gimmick it's a patent that is likely not going to come to fruition i hope not anyway and it'd be just awkward to get those smells right i'm surprised they're not leaning more into the other patent which is the controller that gets cold and hot which i think <laughs> we've heard about quite a bit but just gimmicks. It's just gimmicks end of the day. It's not for me. Unless, you know, that Street Fighter stuff. <laughs> oh, baby. Spider-Man 2, Black Cat. <laughs> yeah, it's a gimmick, but it's one that if it works the way I want it to, I will buy. There are lots of examples, aren't there? Because recently as well, I think with the game that cannot be mentioned, I won't slip up once again, it came with a candle that you could light. Um, I think it was maybe for the game that cannot be mentioned, 7. But Davey, I'll let you correct me on that one because you are the aficionado for that series. Um, but would you be buying the Smellovision full Sony branded day one? Well, let me just fill you in on a little story here, right? So you are right in terms of there's a load of different scented candles you can get now for different games. It all just fucking gimmicks. Why would I want to smell rotting flesh? I mean, unless it smells like bacon, which we spoke about on the podcast before, maybe I could finally put that rumor to bed and answer that. Maybe that's worth a candle purchase. But apart from that little bit, I don't need to smell, right? I, d 
I don't need to smell to feel like I'm immersed in the game. Now, I, I bet you I know why this came out. I bet you 1 million percent of this came out. Somebody was sitting in a boardroom, and they're like, hmm, what makes things memorable? And someone says, you know, the sense that's high, highly tied to memory is scent, right? So when you go to a fair, the reason why you love it is because you're smelling the, the popcorn, you're smelling the candy floss, you're smelling all the sweat from all the jippos that are around there, and it just, you know, fills your <laughs> scent muscles and you're in there. Right? And someone said, oh, that's something we don't do. Jeez. What if we could tap into people's memory by getting them to live smells? So they'll always remember Killzone 4 because they smell the gunshot coming off the shotgun. They'll smell all this. And someone said, oh my God, million pound idea, great idea. And we can sell the refills like Glade do. So we can get into the business, we can sell this extra shit. No! Who the Glade. fuck cares? Who cares about this bollocks? Smelling controller. I don't need a hot, cold controller. I don't need a fucking Q-Lite. I don't need smell-o-vision. Like, fuck off. This is bullshit. Absolute bullshit. And no, I'm not buying a pizza controller. I'm not buying a smelly-ass fucking flap controller for Cami. I'm not doing all this box. I'm just no chance. If this ever comes out, ever in a million years, this makes it past R&D, it's a fucking mistake. And it's just a waste of my goddamn time. What a negative Nelly. You're beginning to sound like <laughs> me, Davey. I, you could have sw- like turned off names and closed your eyes. That sounded exactly like me when I talk about any of this mumbo-jumbo. Anyway, don't steal my bets. Moving on, Spence. <laughs> last one up for you. Last impression of the night. Sure. Opening a kitchen drawer to get like a fork out or something, like some kind of utensil. Fridge, freezer. I'll accept Davy's answer. I was going to say opening the cutlery drawer. Oh. Yeah, lovely. Quick news: Lads, listeners, watchers, friends. Again, obviously, I've just given you a list of all the games coming to PlayStation Plus Premium and Extra, but there's actually one more game which is hitting PlayStation, and that game is the legendary. 1999 Quake 2, except it's actually a remaster. Mm, baby. And now I don't know if you boys have seen this. There's not too much information in regards to when it's coming. Because it's today. Ooh, little little treat for you boys there. The 10th of the 8th, 2023, date of recording. Quake 2 is on the system. And this is a fully enhanced version of the game with co-op with multiplayer, enhanced graphics, if you have a PS5, up to 120 FPS. The pictures actually look stunning. It looks completely remade. It looks fantastic. I'm keen to try it out. Don't know about you boys. I've never actually played Quake 2. This was, well, when it came out, I was one year old. One year old? (laughs) One year old. You were one. You were one. I was one, yeah. So Only I, just come out your dad's willy. <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't know, sp- uh, spoilers for this, Phil, but men, we don't give birth. You don't come out of, of there, you know? I don't I know. the sperm. I don't know, if this is, <laughs> I don't know if this is news to you or not, but that's, you know, come out of a vagina, mate. <laughs> well, different, different strokes. That's different strokes. But yeah, I'm keen to go into this game. I'm keen to give it a go and see what I missed. Obviously, an enhanced version of the game, and I can play it multiplayer with you boys online. I think it's going to be great. You boys are obviously 
considerably older than me. Like so much older than me. It's actually insane. Fuck. So I have to imagine you boys played the OG Quake 2. So are you boys excited for this? And if you haven't played it, are you going to? Let me know. Open floor. Look at us tonight. We've had a giveaway and we're doing announcements for today. This feels like a game show or something. This feels like a PlayStation shizzle reel or something. We're really bringing it out for you listeners and viewers. Don't tell us we don't do a good job. Make sure you subscribe because you'll be getting more facts after facts after facts as we go through to the next couple of episodes. But Spence, I'm really excited about this one. You know me, you have mentioned my age a couple of times so far in this podcast. But yes, you are right i did originally play the doom series i did originally play the quake series i did originally play the unreal tournament series and i absolutely love them cannot get enough so yes i'm in going downstairs straight after this podcast get it on the dl i gotta agree with phil on this so quake 2 was i think the first ever fps i ever played uh, i'm trying to wrap my head about it Definitely didn't play any on the Mega Drive or anything like that, so it must have been this. And I, it, I know it was the first FPS that was released on PlayStation. And my mum, I think I've mentioned this before, my mum worked at a garage that had uh, video game rentals. And so I used to just get games for free from there that I could just rent for like a weekend or whatever. And I rented Quake 2, and it was just a blast. I mean, it was, you know, what a way to kind of get you into into what it is and seeing where Quake kind of went to and where it was on PC with like its online multiplayer and kind of everything else. We didn't have that on the PS1. Obviously I was playing like my friends in split screen co-op, uh, split screen kind of multiplayer in the, in the arenas. And, and that was fun as hell as well. Uh, it's a game that holds up incredibly well. People still play like Quake 2 and, and all these different versions of, of Quake over the years. It hasn't really changed too much. This would be a game that'd be fun as hell to dive through. And, you know, we were saying before how much we love boomer shooters we can play this in like three-player co-op, lads. Why the hell not? I think this is definitely a purchase we just make immediately after the show and we just fire into it because this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, I'm on the same boat as you boys. Definitely a Thursday night game for us. I think it's one we're all going to be keen to try out and play together. And Quake is a bit different from the FPSs I typically play. So I'm wondering, am I going to be cracked at this one? We need to find out. It's time to get it on the DL. Test it out, boys. Lovely. But that is my quick news done. That is my last. So to round it off, Davey, coming over to you. Drop it down and I'll try pick it up. Okay. I'm going to do one we definitely haven't done on the show before. It's not right. Is it making pancakes? It is not making pancakes, no. Was there some sort of sauce in there, like a tomato sauce getting squeezed? I thought that was the pancake mix. It's not cooking. It's what you do after the meal is done. Cleaning up, washing up. It's the washing up. Doing the washing up, baby. Hey. Quick news. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 has been officially announced. Now, we've been saying for a long time that it was definitely going to be Modern Warfare 3. And the whole development story with this, and obviously this isn't confirmed, by the way, this part I'm going to say now, but very highly rumoured, and all these rumours so far have been bang on, is that this started off life being a Modern Warfare 2 add-on, and then at some point in time, Big Daddy Activision said, ah, you know, if we say it's Modern Warfare 3, we can get a shed load more sales. 
And so, Modern Warfare 3 it is. Now, the full game is coming out November 10th, with a worldwide trailer and reveal happening on the 17th of August. Now, the interesting thing about this, and the reason why I wanted to put it in, I wanted to break down something that's very different, that has never happened before in Call of Duty history. And that is, the content that you have purchased or you have unlocked in Modern Warfare 2 will carry forward to Modern Warfare 3. So it means, if you've leveled up your Lackman sub or your M4, and you've got your class set up and it's all there, Day one of Modern Warfare 3, you will have a fully leveled up gun, including all your camos, all your attachments, good to go. Now, difference is, all the balancing is going to be different. They haven't really confirmed how that's going to work, but they're saying that everything that's in Modern Warfare 2 will come across. So that means if you've got like a Ryan camo, which means getting the camo for every single thing in the game and getting mastery on it, you will have those for that Modern Warfare 2 guns. But the Modern Warfare 3 guns, which are going to be very substantial amount of them, uh, you will start from level zero. So it does mean that for players that have played Modern Warfare 2 extensively, you will have a big advantage day one compared to people diving into Modern Warfare 3 for the first time. But it also means that your cosmetics, your skins, your battle pass unlocks, all of those things will be coming across. Super, super, super excited by that. It means I can use my Homelander skin for a whole other year of Call of Duty which I'm very excited by, and it means my class setups with my RPK, my M4, all my different guns that I have, good to go out the gate, which is exciting for me, and it means that I'm going to kick off with a great KD ratio compared to everyone else, which is always quite nice as well. Now, Spence, you're a long-term COD fan, same as myself. Does this news excite you in terms of this progression system from 2 to 3? 100% my friend, 100%. The thing is, every Call of Duty we play, we're good at the game. We are good, but our KD always takes a hit right away because we want to learn the weapons, level our guns, figure out how it all works. No need to worry about that anymore. I've had some games lately where I'm getting like 3.0 consistently over 10 games, getting maybe a 10.0 game every now and then. I think now with this fresh start that is, well, I say fresh start, with this new game, hopefully our stats don't carry over. If our KDs carry over, I'm a bit upset. I'd like a brand new one. So if I can just start my KD from the beginning with my M4 that is already perfected. Even if they nerf it a little bit, it's okay. I will still just use the M4 and I can use it, use my Starlight skin whilst playing it. Oh baby, it's just a great time. The only thing I need to know about is zombies. And if they have zombies, it's belter of a game fantastic time i am super keen for this i'm really grateful it's going to keep all my stuff starlight baby mm. and it's my turn to buy well you, you mentioned about kds um they haven't confirmed that i imagine it's going to be a fresh start um the weapons that they, they haven't confirmed yet in terms of like how it works with balance um and how much they're going to adjust or if they are going to be adjustments i really hope to god there are because, you know, I'd like to have my guns unlocked that I love, like the RPK, but then kind of go in, try my setup as it is, and I'll notice immediately if something's off. And then be like, right, well, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's start again with this. But at least I've got the weapon unlocked. I'm good to go day one, rather than having to grind up and go through all the grind of leveling up a pistol, which makes my KD shit because I've died a thousand times to get mastery on it. So I don't have to go through any of that stuff. I can use my Desert Eagle from the off. Super, super hyped by that. 
But uh, yeah, I imagine it's going to be a fresh slate when it comes to RKD ratings. Now, Phil, you didn't play as much Modern Warfare 2 as myself and Spence. Does the thought of everything kind of carrying forward actually pose more of a barrier to entry for you rather than something that you're excited by? It doesn't actually really affect me in the least because I didn't really rank up that much because I didn't play a lot of online with you guys. Of course, I jumped in to the odd Thursday night and we played a couple of rounds, but ultimately I didn't get too far in the game. I more played Call of Duty for the raids um, and I didn't spend a penny in the game, unlike you guys. I know you have forked out the big bucks for some of the skins, so you can look pretty when you're playing the games. Um, and I'm very glad and very happy for you guys that all that carries over because it's not just wasted money, especially when we're talking about the boys, because I think they were particularly expensive and you bought them very late on into the cycle. Um, so for people like that, brilliant, great news. But for me, actually doesn't affect me at all. And it's not a barrier to entry because ultimately my team is strong. I'm going in with you boys. So thanks for the carry you're more than welcome you're more than welcome my friend so phil let's ha let's hand it over to you to end quick news it's the final piece okie doke mm. <laughs> little bit of a visual clue there Oh, I can see your hands. So you're definitely seasoning a dish at the end. So you're cooking something. But I thought at the first it might be like a deep fat fryer. But now with the fact that you're seasoning it, definitely not the case. Um, I want to say, are you grating cheese? Yes. Oh. Well done, Spence. Grating yes. cheese. And then Good sprinkling job. it on the top. So there we go. I was doing a pasta dish with a bit of cheese on the top. Quick news. So this one is about a little game that I know has a big fan base. And that fan base is going to be a little bit more. I'm not sure how popular it's going to be, but... We've got Red Dead Redemption coming to Switch and PlayStation 4 on August 17th. Now, it's a little bit confusing, this news. I'm not the biggest Red Dead guy. I've, I've dabbled a little bit in the past. But what do you guys think about this news that Red Dead is coming to Switch? Mate, I think basically all it is, I think they just made a Switch port and thought, ah, I just whack it on PS4 as well. I think that's all they've done. I think it's weird, especially it's from Rockstar. It's just strange. I've everyone. This was rumored a little bit before it was announced, I think. And everyone was like, a PS5 port for Red Dead. Fantastic. That'd be great. I can't wait to jump back into it. To immediately then be followed with, it's a PS4 port that doesn't really look too much better than the original game. And that's because it's a Nintendo Switch port. I, I've never played Red Dead, either of them. Never touched them. And I thought when it was rumored to be ps5 i thought oh sick maybe it's my time to check it out and then this was confirmed and it was like ah well <laughs> never mind wait for gta 6 yeah it's just it's a bit of a letdown bit of news bit of a confirmation that no one really needed i don't think it's going to sell gangbusters maybe on the switch being able to play it portable would be really cool but the ps4 version just seems like a pointless version of the game i can't really understand why they're doing it too much to me it's just it's just doing something because they can, rather than because people want it. It's just a weird, weird bit of news. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta follow up on that, definitely. Uh, the thing about it is, right, that when the rumors were going around, everyone was thinking, as you quite rightly said, PS5 port is going to be totally like redone, going to have loads of care into it. It's going to be like 4K, 60, all these things. 
And it just, it screams for that, really, because that would just make, that would just print money. That would just print money. Red Dead Redemption is one of those really important games that's renowned for being one of the best games of all time. Now, I quite famously, I think on an early episode of the podcast, uh, said that I had this, I had it free on PlayStation Plus when PlayStation Plus was on PS3. And, uh, and I played about five, six hours of it. Didn't really get into it. Uh, Rockstar games are kind of hit or miss for me. Um, like the GTA series, I really love. But Red Dead, I don't know why. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood for it. And so the fact that they were coming out with a chance to be a PS5 version, 4K60, all totally redone. Like you, Spence, I thought this is a perfect time for me to go back and change this gaming sin. And then at the same time, I can play Red Dead Redemption 2, which is arguably one of the best games of all time. You know, it's sitting up there on Metacritic. Everything I hear about this game is just insane, the things you can do. And I've never experienced it because I haven't played it. I've played Red Dead Revolver, which is the first one on PS2. Loved it. And then Redemption just didn't hit for me. But to hear it's just a lazy port where it's still 1080, 30 FPS. I mean, I've got the PS3 there. I could just boot it up. And the price of this is 50 quid. Are you fucking kidding me? 50 quid for what is a PS4 base ass port. You know, like, can you imagine if they were charging this for the game that can't be mentioned one HD? 50 quid. I mean, would I buy it? Yes. But it's fucking taking the piss. You think about the Metal Gear Solid collection. We're getting all these games in there for the price of Red Dead. Absolutely fucking wild. Absolutely wild. It's just, it's just Rockstar. I know they got money out of their ass. And Take-Two are thinking, who were the publishers who were really behind this, have just outsourced this to another development studio and said, just do it. You know, whatever. It was sell. They just no thought there about how they could really maximize the bottom line. And sure, it takes a lot of work, especially for a game like Red Dead, really big game. It deserves that. You know, we've had, we've had another port of The Last of Us being redone. And, and yet, they can't do Red Dead? What a fucking waste of time. What a waste of time. And it's really disappointing news. I feel sorry for everyone who is a big fan of this game that, that now there's, there's no reason to, to bother doing it again really just no reason but again Davey what you've got to think about is this probably isn't meant for us and the people that that making the decisions over there they've just thought minimum effort maximum exposure let's get it on a few more consoles let's make some more money why not you know I'm sat around there with a suit on big cigar and I'm thinking where haven't we got Red Dead Redemption let's get it on the switch let's get it on the PlayStation 4 easy to do just make that dollar. This port isn't for us. But you just got to think about little Timmy with his little switch. He's heard about Red Dead Redemption. He's heard all the PlayStation family talking up this game, loving it out the wazoo. And he's thought, I really want to play that, but I can't afford a PlayStation. Good job he saved the money because it's an expensive port when it gets to switch. So good luck with that game when it comes to your console, little Timmy. But anyway, that brings us on to the end of quick news. So you've had impressions of a stove, a chopping board, and a grater from myself. Spencer has given us a microwave, a squeaky tap, and he's opened a drawer. Davey, he's done the kettle, the washing machine, and the washing up. You can tell what he does in his house. Now, the winner of tonight, Davey, congratulations. You correctly identified the most kitchen items. So you are tonight's winner. And Ooh. unfortunately, 
I've stabbed myself in the foot with this one because I'm the loser. <laughs> so unfortunately, that's two shots in the dock this episode. One for mentioning the game that cannot be mentioned earlier. And now I've lost quick news. So let's move this on before I slip up once again and let's talk some topics. That's right, you've heard it here first. Breaking news. It's been a long time since we've used that jingle, that's for damn sure. Breaking news just in, guys. We got a listener question. Now, we are terrible for reading out listener questions. We always forget, and we end the show, we check the email and think, oh no, we've done it again. Well, this time I saw it right when we were about to kick off the topics. So we got an extra little part of the show that we didn't have planned. So we have a little question submitted in over on our Twitter at InPSWeTrust if you want to be featured on the show next time. And it's by Lurian, our absolute homie, the main hot dog himself, Lurian has written in. And he's asked a question, guys, which I want to get your opinion on. So he says, Switch 2 is coming out in holiday 2024. We know it will be as powerful as a PS4. The new Switch will have full third-party support, EA, ABK, UB, ETC. Now, unlike Xbox, Nintendo moves units. COD, Mario, and FIFA on one platform, the ultimate casual console. Is it a threat to PlayStation's turf? Also, with Switch 2 having third parties, you thought we were leaving PS4 behind. Psych! Switch 2 and Series S say otherwise. Guys, I want to get your thoughts on both of these. I suppose the main one being a case of, is the Switch 2 a threat to PlayStation's turf? And secondly, do you th feel that having the Switch 2 in the ecosystem being as powerful as a PS4 means that we will continue to see these kind of half steps rather than full dedication to this generation? Spencer, I'm going to come across to you first. Sure. Cheers, mate. I think it's... I really can't see it being a competitor or at least any more than it already is. I mean, the power of the PS4. Great. Yeah, sure. What are you going to play? Red Dead. Shock. We got PS5, baby. We got the exclusives. We got Spider-Man 2, God of War, Returnal. We got fantastic games. It might compete with the PS4, but it's not going to compete with the PS5. The PS5 is always going to be a step above. It's probably going to be a step above the next console after the Switch 2, because that's the way Nintendo work. And sure, it might be great for third-party games casually, but competitively, probably not, because it's a Switch 2. Are you going to be playing Call of Duty on those little Joy-Cons? Probably not. It's not going to be great, unless they really revamp the controllers, or I suppose you could play it with a Switch Pro controller. But the natural controller it comes with is not ideal for first-person shooters. I don't see it working too well. It's not, I don't think it's competition. Not any more than it ever has been. I think maybe Xbox better, better worry. But we've got the exclusives and the power to stand on our own, I think. I think we're okay. Definitely not something I, I think we need to worry about. And so the second part to that question then is, do you feel that developers are going to still continue as they have been for a while and still have these kind of, these half-step measures when it comes to creating a new game where they've got to take account of the fact that there's the PlayStation 4, the, the Series S, and now a Switch 2. Do you think that will continue, or do you think it's going to go more down the path of, say, Jedi Survivor, where they've done their next-gen, and that's how it's been developed, and then they say, right, 
now let's go and work on a PlayStation 4 and and see how we can get it working on that. Do you think it's going to be more that precedent where they focus on next gen first and then backscale it towards the Switch 2 and the PlayStation 4 months or potentially years later? Sure. I think it's definitely still going to be next gen focused. We've kind of only just transitioned into that now where games are next gen focused. I feel like Nintendo themselves are leaning a lot towards cloud gaming, uh, where they've done with um, control with cloud gaming. They've had quite a few big games that are only available via cloud. Kingdom Hearts is another one as well. I think there's no reason for them not to lean into that, especially with a Switch 2. Chances are they're going to up the um, bandwidth you can have. Currently on the original Switch, you can only have a maximum of 30 megabytes a second, which is pants it's big it's your speed davy so it's with the switch 2 hopefully they can upgrade it a bit and then cloud gaming could actually really be viable and people might not need to worry about restricting their games or lowering it or making second versions because they could have cloud equivalents on the switch 2 which obviously you need to have a connection a good connection to play them but it's a viable means to play i tried out control on the cloud version on the switch there was a little trial you could play it felt great it felt perfectly fine. If someone didn't, if no one told me it was a cloud version, I wouldn't have been able to tell. So I think it does work, and hopefully people lean more towards that in the future. If it does continue to be a half step, it's a bit disappointing, but it's not too different from what's been happening anyway. It's just the way it's working. People want games on every system. I understand it. We still get our exclusives. So it's, it is what it is. But I'm hoping it leads more towards that cloud gaming. Pretty, really good points. Mr. Hoy, what do you think? Well, Davey, and I really appreciate the question coming in from Lurin, and I've given this one some thought when uh, Spencer was going through his um, initial ideas of uh, and reactions to this question. Um, but for me, the Switch 2, obviously that was inevitable. We were always going to get that, and it was going to have a jump up in power. Um, but Ultimate Casual Console? Now, compared to a PS5, is that the casual console? I don't really feel like it is so ultimately i don't feel like it's really going to come into the ps turf at all um especially when we're talking about the next gen we're talking about ps5 and when people think about nintendo we're not really thinking about the ea games we're not really thinking about the ubi games you think of mario you think of yoshi games you think of kirby games right those are the ones that you would go to a nintendo for that's what i do because i'm a multi-console owner i own a switch i own a playstation i play my first party games on my playstation and i go to nintendo for for their ips but i think this one is more for the people who don't own a playstation they could go over and now they've got a more powerful system to be able to handle handle these these bigger games that are coming so i think it's a, it's a positive thing but i don't think it's going to get people moving away from playstation and i kind of feel like that's where the question was sort of posed are we going to be losing people from playstation moving over to switch 2 i don't think so and i suppose then the other part of this is that the second part which is if they're developing games uh, and they're taking account of the fact there's a switch 2 there's a series s in the wild does that affect the quality or the kind of scope and the scale of what 
games could be going forward on this generation mate it's all going to be down to the numbers you know if nintendo are going to be doing the numbers and moving units as lurian puts it then yes of course they're going to be taking that into consideration me being a selfish gamer me being a ps5 owner and being on a playstation podcast yes of course i want them to be first gen focused i don't want them to be thinking about these games in the background i always want them to be ps5 exclusives don't i but i can understand the people they're smoking the big cigars in the boardroom they're going to be looking at the numbers and they're going to be taking this into consideration it's a serious question when the switch 2 comes out and we just have to see what sort of power it's going to be packing if it's going to be up to those ps4 standards yes i think we're going to be looking at that as a possible contender for game developers are they going to be putting it out there are they going to be putting out there it's probably going to take a little shine off the the newer uh, games because we find that when you release a game and it's got multiple platforms we tend to find it suffers slightly um, but that's what happens that's what we've got to accept and end of the day I- i'm happy for the people that are going to be switched to uh, enthusiasts and they're going to buy the system and have these games available well i think following that you you guys have both made some amazing points there and I, I really, I got to agree with both of you to a certain extent. I think for myself, when we think about the competition with Switch, they operate in very different markets. Now, I'm very much a, ki- a person just like yourself, Phil, and you, Spence, where I've got a Switch. In fact, I've got three Switches in my household, uh, one for myself, um, a Switch Lite that the wife's got, and then she's got a full Switch as well. So we've, you know, triple dipped on on the Switch. We're big fans of the Switch, especially when you're going away. Or, or anything like that, or just really need to take a massive dump and you're going to be there for a while, right? Uh, Switch comes in clutch then. Do I think it's going to eat PlayStation's lunch? No. No, I don't. Because I think that when kids and casual people are thinking about a console, like you said, Phil, Nintendo is there for Nintendo IP. That's why you buy it. It's the same reason why people buy a PlayStation. They buy it for PlayStation IP. It just turns out that when you get that PlayStation IP, you get the best kind of possible console experience alongside that. So you get the best graphics you can have, you know, all that stuff on console. Obviously, PC, you can do it all. Uh, For Switch, it's more of a case of you buy that for your kids, you buy that for someone who's like just interested in playing this year's Pokemon or the Smash or whatever it is, right, to get them in. I'm going to be buying it for Smash day one. Of course I will. Will I buy it for a new Mario Kart? Maybe. You know, all these different things that kind of come into it. But it's not going to be my ideal way to play. It's not going to be my number one platform. And I think most people are going to have it very much the same, where they get it and they dust it off every couple of months to play that next new IP that the Switch has got, uh, rather than being somebody who, you know, is going to be playing all my time on it. And I think that's, that's how things work with the Switch, and they're going to continue in that form. But I think those kids that are like 7, 8, 9, 10, you know, around about their age group, where they're playing Fortnite and they got a Switch too, excellent that's going to be their main console and then they're going to look over the pond and they're going to see these more adult games that people are talking about and they're raving about on social media and they'll think oh mummy daddy can i please have a playstation pro for christmas please because that's the big like the big high-end kind of version of gaming that's where you're going to play like your real big hitters you're not going to play the same pokemon you've played for 30 years you're going to play something brand new brand new ip a brand new big thing that people are shouting about so I do think they're going to be very separate in that regard. The thing that worries me, though, Lurian, is what you've hit on there in terms of how game companies develop going forward. Now, I've been saying this ever since the start of the PlayStation 5. I've wanted it to be a separate thing entirely from PlayStation 4. I feel that you can definitely see it in the game design where things have been made 
exclusively for next gen. You think about what they did with Dark Souls on day one on the PlayStation 5 and the way that works with seamless loading and it's extra cool, like particle effects and everything that's in that game. And you then compare that to some of the stuff like God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, it was a step up in terms of the gameplay department, but was there anything there that I think, well, oh, actually this could this this is better because it's on PS5? Not really, right? There isn't that much. Same with Horizon. You got better you got better graphics and things like that, but there's nothing really there that's really moving the needle in terms of what this console is truly, truly capable of. It does worry me. I think the best way going forward that game developers can handle this is gonna be it's gonna be on an individual basis. And it's going to be all dependent on what their vision is. Now, if they want to be able to reinvent gaming and they want to really stamp their seal of approval on what the console can do, think about what Baldur's Gate is doing now, Baldur's Gate 3, right? Absolute technical marvel. It's coming out to PlayStation first because they can figure out how it works. They can't do the S. They're going to do it, and it's going to come to Xbox as soon as they can do it and they can get it out. But they're going for their best vision of what the game can be and then porting downwards after, as soon as they figure that out. So I think the individual devs are going to really have a tough question mark in terms of, do they want to maximize their profitability straight up at the expense of the product? Or do they want to make the best product they can and then scale it back to make it work? And I think that's something that each individual dev and each individual publisher is going to have to really think about and focus on. And I think now with how competitive gaming is in terms of making a game land and have kind of cultural uh and and by that point kind of sail through success that comes with the likes of Baldur's Gate 3 is doing right now again that no one would have thought is moving the kind of numbers that it is it goes to show that if you focus on that you will get the monetary reward and the good faith and then those platforms that can't have it yet are eagerly awaiting it to come to them and so I think that's the best way of doing it and how it will probably shake out where the Switch gets it in a year's time after after the release of it. So I hope that answers your question, Lurian. Of course, if you want to have your questions read, then please write into the email psutrust at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Our DMs are open. And of course, you can just give us an at on Twitter and we will respond and make sure to add it into the next doc and we will not miss it. That's a goddamn guarantee. Now let's move it on to the topics. Stop! Topic time! So guys, for our topic of tonight, one of two, we're going to be talking about the PSVR 2 and the claim that there is no games out there. Now, this has set Twitter alight at the moment. It's the only thing I'm seeing on my feed and it's all down to Ryan McCaffrey. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He is the exclusive editor at IGN by day and he's the host of the Ride the Lightning Tesla unofficial podcast by night. And of course, Ryan, if you're listening and you are a podcast and you'd love to come on and chat more, P.S. Uh, VR2 or PlayStation in general, hook us up. My DMs are open. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, but we wanted to have a little chat about what you put out around the PSVR2 because I know we've got two supporters here um, of the uh, peripheral for the PlayStation. They love it. Um, so we'll have to see what they feel about what you had to say within your tweet. And I'm going to read it verbatim. Ryan says he massively regrets the $597, including tax, that he spent on the PSVR 2. 
He says, I love great VR game experiences. And I was so excited that Sony was doubling down truly powerful second gen headsets, but they burnt me. There are no games. That's the big headline. It already feels dead. Look at the layer of dust. And underneath, he's got his PlayStation VR 2, and it has a thin layer of dust next to his PlayStation. Really sad sight. But as I said, this has been going round and round Twitter. As we know, it's a bit of an echo chamber, but there's at the point I took a screenshot, there was 1.7 million views on this. So people are going absolutely crazy about his statement that the PSVR 2 has no games. Now, guys, I know over the season of this podcast, or the last couple anyway, we've been talking quite a lot about some spectacular PSVR 2 games. Now, I want to hand over to Spence first to get your... Uh, reaction to this tweet um because i didn't see anything on twitter so you probably held it to yourself you're probably going around your room shouting your head off about this one because i know you'd be angry about this let me have it tell you what i didn't even see this tweet because i was too busy playing mini golf in my psvr2 what an outlandish claim this ryan fellas spouted about fuck you ryan this game well you're welcome to have an opinion but it's a wrong opinion there's so many great games. Gran Turismo 7 is an experience in itself. The game that can't be mentioned, Village, the entire game in first-person VR with added features as you can wield multiple weapons. We have the game that can't be mentioned, 4, coming soon. Walkabout Mini Golf is a VR seller. It is insane. Synapse is the number one seller at the moment in EU and America, which obviously I've just beaten. It's phenomenal. This, this little system, PSVR 2, is fantastic. There's more games than I can even play at the moment. I've just purchased uh, Afterfall. Is that what the game's called? But I've just purchased another game which I'm keen to get into, 30 quid. It's quite steep prices, but it's fine. There's so many games. You've got No Man's Sky, you've got Demio, you've got Switchback VR, The Walking Dead, Horizon. Pavlov is phenomenal as well. There's so many more games to come. Firewall Ultra coming soon. My favorite FPS of all time, Bulletstorm, is coming. I don't know how anyone could think there's not enough games. If you think there's no games, then you're just not buying them. There's countless games for this little... Well, you could count them. But there's loads. There's more than you could play unless you are just playing VR all day, every day. I think it's an insane tweet. And sure, maybe the games that are on the platform just aren't for you. And that's what's happening. But I think it's outrageous to say that there are no games. I think you're just busy doing something else and you've suddenly looked at your PSVR 2 and just thought, I'm not playing that. I'm going to tell the world I'm not playing it and I'm going to make this claim wrong, Ryan. Wrong. Get Walkabout Mini Golf VR and you will not get off your VR for the next two weeks. Trust me, that is the only game anyone needs. Game of the year. <sighs> Walkabout Mini Golf. What a stupid tweet. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit annoyed by that tweet. But I wasn't, I'm not one to respond on Twitter to outrage or stuff like that. I like to keep it to myself. And we have a platform to discuss it. So I'd rather speak about it on you. But yeah, I think it's just a ridiculous tweet. Absolutely ridiculous tweet. And there's too much to play. I'm not even in my VR at the minute because I'm like, I don't know what to play. So stupid, outrageous, completely disagree. Ryan, you're wrong. Davey, how do you feel about this? I'm assuming you're going to feel much along the same lines as young Spencer on this one and his outrage. I can see the smoke coming out of his ears right now and the rage that we're getting. Well, I'll try to keep it calm for a moment, just for a moment. So this to me screams 
than when people first bought a PlayStation 5. And you had a couple of months after the launch games where there wasn't an awful lot. And the thing that was carried by it was you had amazing indie games. You had incredible little indie experiences that were coming out that if you, for some reason, didn't want to check out indies or you had some kind of aversion to checking out a smaller game, that you think, oh, there's nothing here for me. And it's like, well, there actually is. There's fucking Game of the Year contender games here, but you're just choosing not to play them because you're a fucking idiot. This is what this tweet is. This is exactly what this tweet is. It's someone literally who's just been jacking off, spamming his fucking Xbox, playing his Xbox Game Pass games, and then realizes, oh, fucking hell, I haven't played my, my PlayStation VR 2 for a while. It's like, well, it's your fault. You've been playing fucking four-year-old games on your fucking Game Pass. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, your Xbox is a bigger waste of money. You've had literally nothing for three years. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's just insane to me. It's absolutely insane that somebody could come out of this and you've had games like, Spence, you've already mentioned a load, but you've had a brand new Horizon game from first-party PlayStation. we got Firewall Ultra and Crossfire Sierra Squad coming out this month within, like, a couple of weeks. Like, two exclusive games for PlayStation uh, VR 2. Let alone... Some like massive hitters like Phasmophobia coming out in like a couple of weeks. And then we got a game that we were mega excited about on the podcast coming out in 2024 in Wanderer. You know, we got these games which are like really like big hype games that are going to get people involved. Let alone Aces of Thunder coming out so you can be, you can fly a fucking fighter jet and do f- fucking dog fights. That's going to be sick. Going to be so up for that. And we got, like, all all the other little games that come out just out of nowhere. Just that, that come out and they're like, oh, fucking hell, this is sick. Like Synapse. I mean, I, to me, it's just screams of ignorance. This screams that somebody who hasn't engaged with the platform, hasn't looked at what's there, and then thinks, you know what? I'm just going to put something out because I want some clicks. And I want somebody to then come and look at my expose on IGN. It's exactly one of those things where it's hollow as fuck, and it comes from a place where somebody just doesn't know what they're talking about. And it's as, it's as cut and dry as that. If anyone spent any time on this system, they would know there's a wealth of games that are there for you. And granted, if none of them speak to you, fair enough. You could put out a tweet that says, do you know, the PSVR 2, really impressive, but the games just ain't there for me. I've seen them. There's lots there. There's over 150 games, but none of them appeal to me. Fair enough. Would that get a load of traction on Twitter, though? No, it wouldn't. So it's easier to put something out that's inflammatory, that gets everyone hyped up, that gets everyone like, what the fuck are you talking about, Ryan, you idiot? And boom, you've got loads of engagement. You're making that money now because I'm sure that he's a Twitter verified person. So he gets money for each post that he does. And he's just making that fucking green come in. And that's exactly what this is. It's just nonsense. It's a fucking top level tweet with no thought put into it. that's just set there just to outrage people. And you wouldn't hear him putting this out about his Xbox unless he makes a shitload of money on this tweet. And then all of a sudden, my Xbox has been a waste of money. There's no games for it. And and then boom, the cycle repeats again. PlayStation 5. Oh, after Spider-Man, we don't know what the next exclusive is. Boom, there's no exclusives for PlayStation 5. Dead system. Don't buy. It's like so fucking obvious. And it's just smooth brain as hell. And did it get me outraged? Yes. Has it got us talking about it on this podcast? Yes, it does. Fuck you, man. Bullshit tweet. Bullshit tweet. Absolute bullshit tweet. I thought as much. Now, guys, don't bite my head off, and I'm going to play devil's advocate with this one. Um, But I can kind of, in a very roundabout way, 
see what he's saying okay so hear me out before you rebuttal on this one and i know you're very angry about this tweet and you might be for what i say here but for me there's no triple a games on the headsets currently that have talked me into buying one and that's my personal opinion on the psvr if they did have this wowser of a game then i would own one by now so i can kind of understand where ryan's coming from he's probably put that money down he can afford the 597 plus tax he works at ign he does okay for himself he's obviously got a tesla right if he's on a tesla podcast and he ain't got a tesla then bin him off he's got a tesla he's working on ign he can afford the 600 dollars or whatever it is that he spent davy you've hit the nail on the head he knew this would make waves he's verified it's getting a lot of traction so he's making bucks off it he just thought he'd put out something to wind the twitter sphere up and by god he's done exactly that but the psvr2 is an indie console for me and you guys week after week you come through with these strong games and i'm getting closer and closer to that purchase but if he bought the headset believing all the hype that he originally seen with the original marketing for the psvr2 i can understand why he feels slightly let down because he's not in god of war swinging axes he's not spider-man swinging around the city is he okay it's an indie console as i said and there's lots of brilliant experiences out there which you guys have said but he spent a lot of money and probably it's almost overpromised in his mind and that's why we've got that reaction to a point but the major part of this is i think he's just after the money isn't he boys davy as i said hit the nail on the head with this one i think that there's there is something to that in terms of the if you're looking for that you know that sony first person you know like f you know triple a kind of bank thing in there i think fair enough you know you can question that but when we got things like firewall and crossfire coming out the console's not old enough yet to be able to take that take on it you know with like six months in the playstation didn't have like it had its launch library and then we had a bit of a wait until we started seeing things trickle in with the the rumor is we're going to have another showcase before the end of the year is it then a case that we see even more like vr stuff that's on the horizon potentially you know, we don't know what Media Molecule are working on next. I imagine there'd be a VR game in the mix there. I mean, it's me. Every single episode's a dunk on Media Molecule. But you get what I mean here, right? You've got a chance that there is stuff that's bubbling here that they're not talking about. And if they're willing to put things like Wanderer into a PS blog post, which to me looks absolutely insane, and which we all think looks absolutely insane, then who knows what they've got cooking that they actually want to show off and put towards us. But... um. I think this is this is Sony that we're too early to be able to say this take on yet. I think that we need to see what Sony put out within the next 12 months and then we can make that judgment call. Is it just the one? Is it just Horizon and then, you know, like these FPS games coming out now? Or are we going to have a wealth of different kind of AAA experiences that are done by first party? Time would tell. I think it'd be really interesting if someone does the math and works out how much Ryan earned from that tweet. And I'm sure there'll be people out there doing the math right now. And this is a little reminder to anyone out there that's mathematically minded, who's got a calculator, can you work it out how much he's earned so far off that tweet? Because that'll be super interesting to know. I think he could probably buy the PSVR too with the amount of uh, traction that he's got, but we'll have to wait and see. If you can work that out for us, guys, send it into the podcast. We'd love to be the ones to announce it. And let's move it on to the next topic. 
So, lads, listeners, watchers, friends. I like saying friends now. It's quite nice. We are all friends, end of the day. Lovely. This is our big juicer topic for the episode. We've had two little bits. We've had the listener write in. We've had topic one, which was nice, quick, get her done. But this is the juicy one. This is the information topic of the evening. I hope you're ready. Strap in. Get on the edge of your seat, but not too far. Don't go falling. We're getting into it, boys. This one's juicy. So, Bloomberg have reported that Square Enix's share price has dropped nearly 15% following its latest earnings release. And Square have claimed that Final Fantasy XVI did not meet the high end of expectations. So following on this massive game that we've been seeing for years, well, a year, two years, following the release of it, the share price has shot down. Square Enix has had a horrible time. Now, I know, Davey, you, you like the financials. I've not looked into this too much. I was hoping you boys could kind of inform me of this. Obviously, we've kind of had a change of heart recently where we dig a little deeper into the news. And I'm hoping you boys have done that for me because I've not been well and I've not been able to do it myself. So today, I'm not a host of the show. I'm a listener as well. So I'd love you boys to give me that information. So who would like to go first? Who think top level who thinks stuff about this before we go too deep just give me a little 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 hint of news talk to me like i'm a five-year-old sure okay I'll, I'll i'll give you the i'll give you the little bit before we dive into the meat of what actually has happened so just like last episode we were talking through how data stats everything can be miscrewed and, and you can tell any story you want to tell uh based on what's happening now it's very true the stock price has gone down um, now, it's reported from Bloomberg with their analysts that it's due uh, in part to Final Fantasy 16. Now, when I first read that, it made no sense because this is a game which for the month it was out was played by 50% of all PlayStation 5 owners. It counts to 50% of all playtime, beating the likes of Call of Duty for that month. So it doesn't really ring true how could that could be the case. And that forced me to go and look into the financial report. Now, before I delve into that, top-level thoughts, Bloomberg talking shit. They haven't done their due diligence. We're back around this fucking wagon yet again, where we are going through and digging into it. But that's the top level. Bloomberg talking shit. Lovely, mate. Lovely. Phil, you got any little top-level thoughts, little hints towards what we're going to be discussing? Yeah, well, when I first read this, obviously it seems very, very negative. But I know last episode we made a promise to our listeners, our viewers, as you said in your introduction, that we were going to dig a little deeper, and we have on this one. And numbers can be a funny one, because I can tell you a figure and you might think positively, you might think negatively. I work in a marketing department, and I know how this works, because I'm very much on the spin with numbers sometimes. I need to do it. It's part of my job. And I feel like this is what they've done over in Bloomberg, because they've got people talking about it. We're talking about it tonight. You guys are listening about it. And you're probably going to read the original tweet, and you're probably going to read the original article when it comes to this. But I'll hand it back to you guys, because we're going to delve a little bit deeper into the reasons why they've said that the price droppers nearly 15% and it's down to Final Fantasy 16. That's what they're saying. That's the that's the title of this of this episode or this this section of the show. This is the reason we're talking about it. And on the face of it, as I said, very negative, shock horror. Oh my god, Final Fantasy 16 has messed up. Terrible game. I think moving on from that little top level bit of news. Davy, 
It's monologue o'clock. Give us the information, mate. Ring-a-ding-ding. Here we go, guys. So I have I have gone through and combed through the full financial release, which uh, is the uh, consolidated financial results for the three-month period of June 30th, 2023. So this is what was released onto the Tokyo Stock Exchange and goes out to all the different investors and is the reason why this has taken a drop. Now, spoiler alert, it's nothing to do with Final Fantasy 16. Would you look at that? Crazy, right? So I'm going to read quite a bit here for you guys, and I'm going to break it down. So I'll give you the facts in terms of what's actually in this report across two segments, which is the analysis of con um, consolidated business results, and then the digital entertainment spectrum in particular. So those two parts. So this is going to be quite a bit. I apologize that it's going to be quite a bit, but I feel like I need to really relay exactly what's here. Okay. <clears throat> so, for analysis of consolidated business results, the Square Enix Group is continuing determined efforts to strengthen the competitiveness and profitability of its digital entertainment, amusement, publication, and merchandising business segments. Net sales for the three-month period ending June 30, 2023 totaled 85,669,000,000 yen, an increase of 14.4% from the same period of the prior fiscal year. Operating income amounted to 3.097 million yen, a decrease of 78.5% from the same period of the prior fiscal year. In foreign exchange rates, the weakness of a Japanese yen compared to the rate at the end of the last fiscal year has resulted in the booking of a foreign exchange gain amounted to 5.835 million yen. As a result, ordinary income amounted to 9.178 million yen, a decrease of 65% from the same period of the prior fiscal year. And profit attributable to owners of apparent of parent amounted to 6.3 million yen, a decrease of 65.7% from the same period of the prior fiscal year. So, anyone who doesn't know financial reports probably listened to that and thought, what the fuck does that mean? It basically means shit ain't going well across Square Enix. It means that game sales are up, the rest of the profit is down. However, they have noticed that they have managed to shave a bit off their, uh, their business so they're actually saving a little bit of money in terms of their operating income. That's a long story short. So in terms of digital entertainment, here we go. This is the actual big juicer here. The digital entertainment segment consists of planning, development, distribution, and operation of digital entertainment content, primarily in the form of games. Digital entertainment content is offered to meet customer lifestyles across a variety of usage environments, such as consumer game consoles, including handheld game machines, personal computers, and smart devices. The HD high-definition game subsegments net sales for the three-month period ended June 30, 2023, rose compared to the same period of the previous fiscal year due to the release of titles including Final Fantasy XVI and Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster. In the MMO, Massively Multiplayer Online, game subsegment, net sales fell versus the same period of the previous fiscal year. In the games for smart devices and PC browser subsegment, Dragon Quest Champions was launched in June, but the subsequent's net sales declined compared to the same period of the previous fiscal year because of weak performance from existing titles. Net sales and operating income in the digital entertainment segment totals 62.375 million yen, an increase of 16.4% from the same period of the prior fiscal year, and 2.745 million, a decrease of 80.6% from the same period of the prior fiscal year, respectively. Now, what does that mean for us? It means that in terms of releases for physical games, they've had a massive rise here in these last three months. 
massive rise. However, you've got to bear in mind that this entire fiscal year, you're talking they've had a tanker in for Spoken. So for Spoken is going to definitely take some wind out of the sales. But even with that, they've managed to still have a, a, a massive rise on this compared to the prior prior year because of Final Fantasy 16. Now, the reason why they are suffering a huge amount to their, their um, a drop in terms of their operating income and when it comes to their share price is down to two things. It's down to their smart device stuff, so their mobile games. They've been getting gobbled up by the competition. They've, they explain in the report later on that there's huge growth potential, especially with the fact that Asia are now on board with all these smartphones and everything else. However, they're finding their games are not landing. And it's going to the very few successful titles that are in there. So they put a lot of money in getting a lot of ports and a lot of games that have come out to this. You think they had that Final Fantasy VII soldier game that came straight to mobile uh, that came out within this period of time. None of them are finding an audience. So they're hemorrhaging money from that. And then the very popular Final Fantasy MMO in Final Fantasy XIV has started to go on a downwards trajectory. And that's now three, two quarters in a row that has seen a declining player base. And that's in due part to the fact that there hasn't been any new content for it, no new kind of like big expansions, but they're just noticing this. And so you, you remember a little while ago, we said that they'd opened the, um, they'd opened the doors in terms of having like free trial months for people to get in. That's a way for them to try and rectify it. It's the reason why they've teamed up with Xbox now to bring it to a whole other side of entertainment because they're struggling in these areas. And with this operating income going down, these two sub-segments, which did make up quite a substantial chunk of their of their return, with them having like 84% drops, it's had a huge impact to their bottom line. And that is why investors now are losing um, losing confidence in the fact that they've got a, a huge moneymaker with an MMO which now isn't making the returns it was. That's the bottom line for it. What it meant for investors is that because of this outlook, this kind of bleakish outlook, they've had to cut dividend payments. So the dividend payment has gone down from what they projected it would be to the markets. And that has in turn then lost uh, investor confidence. People trying to get out now because they're not going to get the same dividend returned they once would. So that is the actual story. That's actually what's happened. but. It's much easier to put it and say Final Fantasy 16 didn't sell very well. Well, in fact, actually, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Is something we've said on this podcast before. And the fact they put it exclusively to PlayStation 5, PlayStation have paid for that. They've helped support them with development. You don't get all that and then get to have every single sale imaginable. But to feel that it's like it's charted where it has, that it's done as well as it has done on the PlayStation where... It's getting up there. I, I mean, Christ, the stats for this, that in the USA, it was the top market for activity, taking a third of total players. 13% of PS5 players overall have played the game. It's the sixth biggest title by monthly active users globally on the console in June. And for three days following its launch, it was beating out daily active players for FIFA, uh, Fortnite, and Call of Duty. I mean, that's, that's fantastic results. Absolutely fantastic results. But that's not enough to carry a company like Square Enix where you've got titles which come out and don't hit, like Forspoken, all these mobile releases that they've put all this money into to try and crack that market. You can't have everything. And if you fuck up enough times and your MMO starts bleeding players and it starts bleeding returnable income because there's not enough new content for them, 
these things are going to have an impact on your bottom line. And that is exactly what has happened here. Now, I've gone through quite a lot here. Any thoughts on this, guys? Mate, you should be doing audiobooks or you should start a podcast. You've got a great voice when you're reading out information. Jesus, you went deep on the hunt there, didn't you? When we said we looked into the facts, we looked into the facts. So I looked into the facts as well, but a little bit more higher level. And I've got three key facts here. And we're going to play a little game of how you put a little bit of swing on some numbers. Okay, so stick with me, guys. So my first key point here is that Final Fantasy 16 sold 3 million copies within the first week. Now, is that positive? Is that negative? Now, it all depends on spin, doesn't it? And it all depends on your expectation. Now, what we feel at the moment after reading what was posted in Bloomberg is Square Enix obviously had massive expectations. So 3 million might not be a big number, but for a different company releasing a different game, 3 million would have made the game and we'd be screaming and we'd be flying the flag for that company because they'd done very, very well. Now, Final Fantasy um, 16, it was in line with Final Fantasy 7. But what you've got to take into consideration here, Final Fantasy 7 had a larger player base because it was on PS4. So you've got to dig a little bit into the numbers and the reasons why. So that is a very positive thing if you understand that the PS4, obviously larger player base than the PS5 at the time of release uh, of Final Fantasy 7. And on to my last one, Final Fantasy 15. That was the fastest selling um, compared to Final Fantasy 16. But here's the kicker, guys. Final Fantasy was Final Fantasy 15. That was across multiple platforms. It wasn't just on a larger player base. This was across multiple. So of course, Final Fantasy. 16 didn't keep up with Final 15. So these are the types of figures that people are looking at, reacting on, without any context. And I feel like this has led us to this report, and this is why people are burning, burning their sticks, going out in mobs, and going to knock down Square Enix's office. You're totally right. And it is very much a case of thinking about how that, that success is kind of built on. And as you said, when it's on to a solo platform, it is what it is. We were we were celebrating the success of God of War. It showed, sold 5.1 mil in its first week, right? Great. It's on PlayStation 4 as well. You know, if that was just on PlayStation 5, how much lower would that be? Substantially lower. Because, you, you you know, you've got, what, like 120 odd million PS4s out in the wild. And now we've just crossed the line of having 40 million PS5s uh, shipped. So to have that kind of attach rate in like the first three days where it sells 3 million, insane. Absolutely insane. And to see it's like charted now, a month later, it's coming in at number six on the chart. It's still holding. And as more word of mouth goes out and we get to like game of the year and stuff like that, we'll see how this builds. But you can easily, as as you've explained there very well, Phil, you can take these facts and figures and just put them in a totally different limelight. You could say, there's 40 million. Why is it only sold three? It's like, cut three million in three days. What, you fucking insane? Like, that's great. Final Fantasy ain't GTA, you know? It's not going to be doing those kind of numbers. So you've got to be realistic with these things. And uh, and I, I think this is definitely another one of those things of, I'm glad that we've gone that little bit deeper and tried to relay that information for you guys so that you can make, uh, so make an informed decision on what you believe and, and what you feel is true. Now, Spence, I, I've gone through a lot. Phil's obviously gone through a lot there as well. What are your thoughts on all this? All I think is just how outrageously scummy it kind of was from bloomberg to report this the way they did without they probably did do that information as well they probably knew the facts but they thought that won't get us clicks it's, it's the same as the 
tweet we mentioned earlier where something's just come out, it's been in a negative way, people are going to give it attention. And that's exactly what Bloomberg's done. Nothing to do with FF16 in the slightest. FF16 is selling gangbusters. Everyone adores the game. It's doing amazing. It's just the lack of content for the MMO. That's probably the big thing and the mobile games. And that is it, really, which is to be expected. You can't expect someone to still be playing an MMO with no added new content years later in an environment where we're getting brand new games basically every day, which are games are just getting better and better. People are going to be playing other stuff, and it will cost Square money. It's a very competitive market at the moment. And with the recent release, like you said, of Forspoken doing abysmally bad because it was a dog shit, annoying game. Not even just a bad game, it was an annoying game. It's, I think it's, it is just to be expected. And it's as much as it does suck for Square, I don't appreciate Bloomberg reporting it the way they have, especially not for Bloomberg, who are usually, I think, usually quite faithful as to explaining reports and stuff like this. So I'm surprised to see it from them. It's definitely kind of a push Square or a Twitter article that I would expect. I'm not happy that I've seen this from them. I expected better. Well, you think about Bloomberg were also the ones that said that PSVR 2 was off to a really bad start. And uh, and they were quick to say that. And then the report actually came about the sales and it was like the best selling like wired headset ever, right? So, you, you know, Bloomberg, their analysts, whoever they're paying to do this analysis is totally way off. I think this is something now that whenever you see a Bloomberg report, if whenever it's a case of they've put analysts on it, we got to dig in. We have to, because now it's twice in a row now that they've talked shit and they've just been wrong. So, you know, I I think that in terms of them getting clicks on an article and being able to rev up the console war, well done. They've achieved it. They've really achieved it because the Xbox fans are going wild saying, oh, I told you you should have put it on Xbox day one. It would have sold at least two more copies. It's like, come on, like, fuck off. It's an easy way to be able to get people outraged on this. Uh, it, it really is. And, and that's exactly what they've been able to achieve yet again. And uh, unfortunately, I think this is now going to become like a recurring segment on the show where we just call this out and try and dig just a little bit deeper for the audience. Uh, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, it might be a bit much me going into a full financial report and reading two paragraphs from it. But I hope that you guys have found it enlightening, you know, and you've been able to glean what you can from the figures. And remember that we're portraying the figures in a certain way. And I'm making my assumptions based on the fact that the dividend's dropping and that the MMO income isn't what it is and the mobile games segment isn't what it is. Um, so I, again, I've kind of made my analysis based on this, but financial reports is something that I see all the time with work. I'm very used to them. So this is definitely not double Dutch language for me. Now, guys, this does pose a question in terms of the future of Square Enix. Now, we are at the point where we've had one Duff game out from them this year already in terms of Forspoken. Uh, we've had a great game in terms of Final Fantasy 16. We're now going into the era where we've got another Duffer coming up in terms of Foam Stars, right? And then we finally pick it back up at the start of 2024 with the second part of Final Fantasy 7. What do you feel, you know, in terms of like looking on for the future, if you were in Square Enix's shoes, if you were put in this charge of the CEO and you have to turn the ship around and stop the share price going down, what would you kind of do to be able to fix this leaky boat? 
I think we're going to find ourselves in a striking distance um, kind of situation where you're going to find out on LinkedIn that a couple of uh, names have been let loose because <laughs> Foamstar, jeez, are we looking forward to that? Coming from Final Fantasy, as much as I'm not a fan and I definitely boohoo it, because I didn't personally enjoy it. It has mass appeal, and I know a lot of people are very, very passionate about the Final Fantasy series. Good or bad, people will buy it, and they buy it in their droves. But when it comes to a Splatoon take with foam, where are you guys going? We know games cost money. They cost a lot of money these days. Out the wazoo, they cost. And if they fail, they have an immediate effect on the company that's producing them. And yeah, it's gonna matter. We're gonna be reading about this again in a couple of months now. When Foamstar comes out, we're gonna see that share price drop even further. So we're gonna be hearing the boo-hoos on that. And then our takes on it, because we're quite negative on the game, might be completely different, but we'll make sure to do our digging on it. But that's my two cents on it. I don't know about yourself, Spence. I mean, yeah, for me, I think in the future, it's just a bit of a mess at the moment. I feel like they've developed Foamstars without even knowing why it does well on the Switch as Splatoon. I feel like they've just thought, oh, PlayStation doesn't have an equivalent for that. So let's just make one. Nintendo consoles, the Nintendo Switch, is a console for children. That's why Splatoon does gangbusters. There's a console for kids. We're playing God of War. We're playing Spider-Man. We're playing Horizon. We're playing big boy games. We don't want no foam stars. I feel like they've just made it because there's a gap in the market without doing any research into why it sells as well as it does on Nintendo. And they've just fought to do that. And they also just keep doing this thing where they're milking existing IP, such as like that Final Fantasy VII Soldier game they released. It's just a battle royale, and they've just slapped Final Fantasy VII on there. And thought, oh, people milk that, people, oh, people lap. And no, they didn't, because it's just a mediocre battle royale when Fortnite, Apex already exist, with mobile versions as well. Why would people even think to do it like final fantasy is great and all but no one wants a battle royale of final fantasy it's not that's the wrong market for your game take the ip elsewhere i think they've just had a lot of mixed communication and a lot of horrible pitches in the in the meetings and they thought ah oh, let's do it anyway so i just think they just need to lean more towards their actual proper games and stop trying to milk their own ips just make ff7 remake part two as good as you can and focus on your big hitters. No more for spoken. No more making annoying games. No more trying to milk stuff. Just do what you do best. And maybe add some DLC to FF14. And then there you go. Lovely. Job done. Easy. As much as we're very negative on them trying something new, I do appreciate people putting themselves out there because every shot you don't take is a miss. Now, let's fast forward six months and Foamstar is the biggest game ever ever everyone's playing it everyone's got the foam star t-shirts we've got our pcs our playstations all branded we've got the pop figures we've bought all the merch for it it could happen guys now are they in a position to start doing this with games that cost this much money probably not are they i think it's a bad decision me personally but i'm open let's see what happens with it let's pick this back up after foam stars comes out yeah, I, I think you, you guys very much hit the nail on the head. I think the, the thing is with Square Enix, this isn't new. They they mess up all the time. 
they they really famously mishandled how uh like their whole relationship with uh, Crystal Dynamics in terms of the Tomb Raider games uh, really famously mishandled that. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the game didn't sell very well, um, which was a damn shame. Cause that was such a really really good game, a really incredible really game. game. Yeah, amazing. really good, really good. I think that the thing is they need to look back and that I think they need to do what Capcom have done to be able to steer the ship around. You think about the, the state that the game that can't be mentioned was in, right? And how they managed to take that from six, which was total trash fire, and then turn it around to seven and then have all these remakes. The secret is you've got like, what, fucking 16 Final Fantasy games there? Start fucking remaking a shitload of them. Start doing the Final Fantasy VII treatment for for nine this is the game that's, that people are crying out for to get remade it's a fucking amazing game an absolute seminal game from the playstation one the last uh one of the uh, of the trilogy that, that came to playstation one in terms of seven eight nine go back to the fucking well and remake that make it faithful you don't have to do too much in terms of you don't have to go to the same level you're going with final fantasy 7 just make it very very faithful and put it out just really spruce it up in terms of graphical content, but keep the same game and everyone will fucking buy it. They will buy it. You don't have to put the same level in that you've done for Final Fantasy VII where it's based over four games. You don't need to. You could just put out the same game again, but really fucking nice looking, like the same way that like Demon Souls did it. Just do that. And you have got license to print cash. And then when that's a success, great. Put out, go back. Do like Final Fantasy IV. I've never played that. It's supposed to be an amazing game, one of the best. Never experienced it. Instead of putting out just the, the kind of port they did to PlayStation 4, where it's just the same game that you've known before, but now you can quick resume and you can fast forward and you can speed up the battles, just make it look pretty and put it out again and people will fucking buy it. And then use that money to be able to take chances and to take risks instead of, doing it when you're on a fucking death's door and then you chuck out a risk to foam stars and to forspoken and hope for the best because you've got no insurance your insurance is final fantasy 16 and when it's limited to one platform it cannot possibly have the market spread that you want it to have even the best selling games on this console are like what maybe 20 million and that's like the best like that's like the best you can get like spider-man ain't going to be moving like 40 50 or million units it's not going to because it's going to be on the PlayStation 5. So it, it physically can't. We've got 40 million out there. You need to get your ducks in line. I think somebody at the top of Square Enix, like you were saying, Phil, is going to walk. And they need to get some fresh eyes on this. And they need to really put their money where their mouth is and put out some quality games. And just have it on a consistent basis that you think of them the same way we do with Capcom. You don't want to be going down. Another year from now, we could be looking at them the same way we look at Ubi. And you don't want that. So they definitely need to do something to uh, to right the ship on that end. But that's been our thoughts on this. I would love to hear from you. If you want to interact with the show, you can write into the email, psvtrust at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter, at in psvtrust. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can put a like on the video. And of course, put something in the comments. And we will pick these up for the next episode. Now, that has been episode 73 of In PS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. It's been an absolute joy podcasting with you guys, as it always is. If you've enjoyed the show, you know what to do. If you're on YouTube, put a like on the video, subscribe. If you are listening on any podcast service, 
make sure to put a rating. We are growing on the ratings. We need more. It helps us find a larger audience. Five stars goes a long way. It takes two seconds of your time and it really, really helps us. Please feel free to do that. And of course, share it to anyone that you may think will find this open and honest discussion around the topics of PlayStation because we are trying to carve a new niche for making sure that we are the place to go to for the actual facts and for doing the due diligence. And I think if we continue to do that, then at least you know you've got a voice that's actually backing that and will go to that level of depth for you. And that's our promise to you, our listener. Now, remember, if you don't share, you're just a fucking slut. And I fucking hate your guts. So make sure to go <laughs> on and do it. He's back. He's back, baby. But back that in the is, room. He's back. He's back. But that is it for episode 73 of NPS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. I've been Davey. I've been Ryan McCaffrey. I've been Spence. Fuck off, Ryan. NPS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil, and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at NPSWeTrust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at SSJDavy, at PhilipHoy, at SpenPi underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.